Hey everybody, this is Sam, the girl with the curls, uh, bringing you uh, another episode of the podcast, but not just any episode. This is the bonus episode uh, that I have talked about, or mentioned at least, in I think like the last two or three podcasts. Um, this is the uh, much, uh, much talked about, at least within my circles, uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, we'll call it more of a therapy session than an, an actual review. Uh, this took place the uh, the weekend of the premiere of the movie. Uh, for some context, uh, I had seen it the on that Saturday of its release weekend, and James, who joins me in this uh, very long, uh, ranting, unpacking of Batman vs. Superman, uh, he had seen it on uh, the Sunday uh, of that weekend. So it was very fresh for us. And the reason I'm releasing it now is that I feel like um, the... The episode that I put out that was much more of the objective, I mean, quote-unquote, objective review, uh, at least was us having taken a little bit of time. Uh, this was very raw, and um, it, it goes without saying that James and I are big uh, fans of DC Comics and their characters, so I know some of you will understand where we're coming from. The rest of you will probably think, like, you devoted three hours of your life to complaining about a movie, and I would probably say, well, you're kind of right, but at the same time, it's indicative of our love of this of these particular characters and how we want to see them brought to screen in a good way, and this movie doesn't do that. So uh, buckle up, uh, get ready, because you're, you're in, for, uh, in for a penny and for a pound on this one. So uh, please to enjoy the first bonus episode of That Girl with the Curls, all about Batman vs. Superman. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Every time I try to call you, it's like, is, is James even there? Like, what is happening? Uh, well, this time it wasn't batteries. Like, I wasn't sitting here like, I need batteries! <laughs> Give me batteries, woman! Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I think it might be, I think it's just gonna be you and me on this one. I, I think the two of us combined will have enough disappointment and rage <laughs> to fuel like five podcasts like oh my gosh i went on a huge diatribe like i didn't even wait to get out of earshot of anybody at the theater mm-hmm. like basically the moment i got out the doors i was just like are you kidding me oh my god right like i went with my uh, with my friend nina and uh, I'm, I'm actually really glad I did because I needed someone to be with me to bounce this stuff off of. And, and she was, like, right there with me. She was just as, like, confused and pissed off and just like, what happened? Like, what is this? Like, right? Like, I was, I was just, I was so confused. <laughs> like, and that's the thing is, like, I mean, you know, you, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, like, I've, I put a couple put up a couple of posts like mm-hmm. since watching it already and like one of them uh i was really happy with because i know paul will see it mm-hmm. i know he will um <laughs> because all i it was that my comment where i was like i think Zack snyder has interesting ideas i don't agree with the majority of them yes <laughs> um and actually a girl i went to high school with forever ago katie 
she's a really smart person, um, and she, <laughs> she, she was sitting there, and she goes, so I watched it last night, and the first half I found myself, like, this is a girl who's not a comic book fan at all, like, mm-hmm. this is just mundane theater goer. Yeah. And she was like, I found the, I, the first half I found myself very confused. <laughs> the storytelling was muddled and disjointed. The last half of it started to come together, but then everything just moved really fast, so there was no time to fully appreciate it, I guess. Mm-hmm. She was like, highlights? Jesse Eisenberg, Holly <laughs> Hunter, the scene at the hearing, which for me was a much-needed turning point in the film, and the dream sequences, although confusing at first, very artistic nonetheless. Bummers, <laughs> the dude who played Alfred, flat and unusually young, awkward storytelling, and no flow in editing. Um, to which I commented on that, and I was just like, the funny thing is the dude who played Alfred is Jeremy Irons, and mm-hmm. he's 68 years old. He just doesn't look like your average 68-year-old guy. Like, he, yeah. he eats pretty well. Yeah, he, he's he's pretty, like, he still looks, like, young, and, you know, it's just, it's so... Because when you go from, like, Michael Caine to Jeremy Irons, you're like, hmm, like, so what was Alfred actually doing for the family? <laughs> right? Like, was, was he just, you know, around? Like, they felt sorry, and they are like, we'll just let this guy hang out, whatever. He's like, I buttle, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I buttle. I buttle all of the things. Mm. But that, yeah, it's it's interesting that the things that she liked versus the things that she didn't like, but, you know, to each yeah, their well, own. Yeah, the thing is, is like, uh, for the most part, like, the big chunk of that that I was like, yep, was exactly, like, the, her first paragraph of words. Like, the storytelling was muddled and disjointed. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I step away from the comic book faux pas all over the place in this, where, like, yeah. there's so many things that I'm like, Zack Snyder, you say you get it, <laughs> but you don't. Yeah. Um, like, when I step away from just that part of my opinions, it's exactly that. Like, I felt that way about the movie in general. Like, I was just like, I, I was so confused in just the beginning of it. I was just like, I don't Okay, so we're doing a flashback mm-hmm. to two years ago, and and Bruce's issue. Okay, sure, and then well, it's it's even even before that when they start off with the origin of Batman, which if no one knew that right. by this point, and then I told you in the last podcast he did the pearls, he did the stupid <laughs> fucking pearls, and the and it doesn't even make sense, like how that gun gets under. The necklace and the the hammer. <laughs> like, I thought the same thing. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait. So, okay, so she came over. Mm-hmm. She grabbed his arm. Which, yeah. pushed. Mm-hmm. And then he came up. And then just magically, the wrapped twice pearls that are around her neck, mm-hmm. fairly close, within about mm, two inches of the nap of her neck. Yeah. Somehow he has now gotten the barrel of a gun under it's like, and, and, then, I, and I was just confused. I was like, are they fighting? Like, is he shocked that it's there? Because it looked for a moment like he was like, what the, f- how did this happen? Well, and even, and even before that, when Thomas Wayne decides he's going to try to punch a mugger. Right? Like, like oh my gosh. Oh, it's, it's, it's like getting everything wrong about the, the, even the origin of Batman, because, and, and I've, I've seen a few things where people are like, well, that, that shouldn't matter all that much. Like, you don't think it will, but it does, because the whole point is about 
a random act of crime even striking Bruce Wayne's family, you know? And that his father and mother, you know, were trying to protect him, but they also weren't idiots and tried to attack a mugger. <laughs> like, right. Right. like, Thomas Wayne, you know, at least in Batman Begins, Thomas is trying to, like, calm down this skittish guy who, you know, he's like, okay, here's my wallet, here's my watch, you know. Well, you know, like, the rest of the world would react yeah. to a mugger. It's like, this is a rich, this is a rich man who doesn't, like, he wouldn't need any of that stuff that the guy is trying to take from him. That's, that's also, like, part of it, you know? It wouldn't matter to him, you know, I mean, really, if he had to lose a wallet and a watch, because he's fucking Thomas Wayne, and he's friggin' rich, you know? (laughs) Like, so, for them to kind of take even that into account and completely change like, the reaction of Thomas and Martha also sets up a different way of Bruce looking at the world. And that's very important to how he turns out when he's older, because that night haunts him. Yeah, we're already recording. Okay, I just want to check. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I start from the beginning, so don't worry about it. Um, but uh, it's... It, 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 the, the, that night haunts him and, you know, to a degree that he's based his entire life around preventing that moment from happening to uh to other children or to other people in general like and and if he sees his father try to fight back in that way it's it's a different message that's being sent to bruce you know it's not about like the helplessness of people you know versus crime it's about well my dad just didn't fight back hard enough apparently right right oh i know and well and and yeah i just and those cgi pearls those cgi fucking pearls cgi pearls not even real pearls he's not even good enough of a filmographer to do real pearls. Yeah, like, the minute she gets in front of him, and then the hammer pulls back, and, like, you see it from that perspective, like, which is an interesting shot, fine, but it's not, ugh, like, this I, is... See, I'm the guy who, because <laughs> I own guns, I'm like, do you, do you understand how much torque he would have had to already be pulling on that, to pull the trigger, to slide hammer back, and actually break the string that the pearls are on, do you, mm-hmm. do you know? <laughs> it makes it I, makes more sense when Joe Chill tries to tug the, the pearls off of her because that's how that works. Right. Um, and, oh, and yeah, it's just like when they started falling, like when they scatter, it's just, I mean, it's so obvious that they're not real. I mean, he doesn't even, it, it's like, it. I mean, and that's the problem with this entire movie is there are whole sections, like most of the fight sequences and, uh, and the action that just are CGI, and you can tell, and it doesn't mesh well, it doesn't blend, you know, it's, it's right. so and obvious. That is, and that is one thing, like, with, so, and I mean, it's this very difficult area with a film that involves superheroes, mm-hmm. Superman, Yes, because the guy fucking flies, Yes, um, and we all know that, but the funny thing is, is we've watched... And and those listening that disagree are going to totally berate for this and be like, well, it's not the same thing. The Marvel movies, no, they're not. But Jesus Christ, they get some practical effects in there for even flight. Mm-hmm. And their CGI team doesn't do such a catastrophic job of keeping it polished. Like, there were so many parts of this in CGI alone that was just, it felt it felt slightly unfinished. It felt mm-hmm. a little bit rushed. Like, the, because of the amount of CGI that's in this, this easily felt like 
they probably could have postponed this movie from a spring release Mm -hmm. to a summer release, if not even, like, an early fall to maybe early winter release. Yeah. Easily to polish up the CGI. Mm -hmm. Because there were so many things that was just like, that that honestly looks like crap. Don't get me started on Doomsday. Okay, well, I think first what we need to do is maybe... (laughs) Let's start. Let's let's try to find a, a place to start from here first, because right. we have gotten into. So, James, do you know what the plot of this movie was? Um, uh, let's see if we can piece that one together first. Right. Of all. So, so the, the title uh, of this movie for no one who, who for people who don't know is Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Now, <laughs> by that title alone, you would take this as it's Batman mm-hmm. versus. Superman mm-hmm. in the title superhero beatdown gotcha is gonna be a thing mm-hmm. which it kind of is sort of but it's like a five minute fight in the or maybe ten minutes tops but right. it's it's well, a small portion of an overly long movie yeah well so I mean when we're trying to figure out like when I'm sitting here thinking about this movie like if I go off of what I saw from the very beginning mm-hmm. which a lot of the focus of the very beginning of the movie is primarily Batman's perspective. Yes. Um, which is which, well done. I liked they after they do the whole Thomas and Martha, uh, Wayne being shot, and then Bruce has this other dream sequence, but we're not told it's a dream. And so, like, okay, so uh, this too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keep it together, Sam. Keep it together. Uh, so after the death of Thomas and Martha... In, in which, also, plot point here, the name Martha will be important later on. Oh, my <laughs> uh, So, the, they show the funeral procession of, uh, of the Waynes being taken to their little mausoleum, very, very close by to Wayne Manor. Um, and Bruce is about, like, seven or eight, something like that, and he runs off into the woods. He runs for an exceptionally long time. Uh, before he falls down. I don't know any eight-year-olds who would run that long or that far. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, the the whole thing is that I don't know how big the uh, Wayne estate is at this point, but it seems like he's running quite a distance at this point, you know? Uh, but then he falls into the, the hole that will eventually become where the Batcave is, I assume. They don't really talk about that, even. Um, and... <laughs> And then he falls in a way that is so awkwardly posed. If he fell the way he fell, he would have died. Yes. He really (laughs) would have died. The whole thing, like, I'm I'm watching that falling sequence, and I'm like, the second his face hits the ground, (laughs) that's the end of Bruce Wayne. Like, the Wayne family done we don't get batman so where's this movie going it almost i mean it reminds me of like when he when Zack snyder did like watchmen or 300 like it's very much like what you would see in a comic book panel right and and that's not good for the movie because for all the them talking about them wanting to do a you know realistic you know grim gritty kind of things like and yet you have these shots that look straight out of comic book panels that don't mesh with your idea of how this world works like you can't say you want gritty realism and then do shots like that and expect everyone to be like well of course um but anyway so bruce falls doesn't die uh, and then he sees all the red-eyed bats in the cave, which is... Yes, by the by, bats' eyes 
glow red. Yes. In case none of us knew that. As as they do. Um, which is still an effective scene. I mean, it's it's very well done in terms of like him just seeing those little right. eyes and everything. And then they start flying around him because that's what happens. And then because we've seen this shot mm-hmm. in at least three different Batman movies. Exactly. And and this it almost feels like they're trying to ape Batman Begins in a weird way. Right. But, but then kicker here is that as the bats are flying around Bruce and he stands up amongst them, which you think, oh, this is, you know, the beginning of Batman here, then <laughs> Bruce starts to fly. Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy you mentioned this because, like, I, I was talking to Chris about this when we walked out and I was like, for a moment, <laughs> I thought he was going there. Like, I thought he was just going to say, like, no, Bruce fell down a fucking well, and now he has bat superpowers. Like, he could fly like the bats. I was so confused, because he does. Like, he floats up mm-hmm. out of the entrance of this thing, and the whole time, like, you don't really know where this is going. There's this weird narrative going on by Bruce, um, you know, adult Bruce, like, talking about, you know, uh, his life and kind of his choices and decisions mm-hmm. and things like that. And the whole time he's just, like, flying up in this, like, tornado of bats. And I'm like, what in the hell? And, and no. then and then the narration kicks in where he's, like, that dream blah 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 It's like, what? <sighs> okay, yeah, if you're going to... took me into the light. And yeah. I was just like, why couldn't it have been explained? Or, or something could have given us a hint mm-hmm. that this was not reality. And, and... Because it does. It leaves, it leaves the viewer just, like really perplexed, especially if they know just even the smallest, the smallest bit about Batman. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Batman doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. Most people know that. <laughs> so when they're like, Batman's flying, what the hell? And and that's that's also one of the, the bigger problems, too, with how things are cut together, how it's edited, because there are three dream sequences. This is the first one. Yeah, three dream sequences. The, this is the first dream sequence, and there's no pre, there's no prelude to it. There's no indication. It's just there. Yeah, it's just there. And then the second one is when he's uh, visiting the mausoleum, and then there's like, it, I don't know if it looked like blood or if it was just this black goo that was coming out of uh, Thomas Wayne's grave, and then suddenly this bat, bat breaks out of the like grave. Yeah, it's like, that's how I took that. I was like, that's man bat. Yeah. Man Bat. Man Bat made a cameo in this. I mean, it's just a bat. Yeah, it's like some kind of bat demon just through, and then <laughs> and then Bruce wakes up, you know, in in his uh, weird not mansion, but like lakeside prop. I don't know what that was, <laughs> but it's still on Wayne Manor. But it's just this like weird side portion. I don't. Know. Yeah, like we never get a big cutaway shot until like way later in the movie when he's in the Batmobile that shows us like. A decent chunk of the estate, mm-hmm. because the only thing we see, like, at any point is there is the old Wayne Manor. Yes. And then there's apparently Bruce's Wayne Manor. Yeah. Well, and, and Wayne Manor is in such decay, like, it's it, it looks like, you know, no one's done anything. The grounds look abandoned and just, like, there's nothing, there's no life growing around that right. area. Right. It's so uh, desolate. Um, but anyway, okay, so, yeah. Where were we? We're st- okay. So we'll get to the other dream sequences because when they happen, it's just weird and shocking. And the and the the last one that happens is the most major one that just is three times as confusing as the other two. Um, but anyway, like like you were saying, 
after we kind of get the Batman backstory in the briefest of moments and also in the most confusing of ways, uh, we then cut to the uh, climax of Man of Steel, where Zod and, and Clark are going at each other and destroying buildings left and right and heat vision and whatnot. So it's told from Bruce's perspective, who was in Metropolis, maybe at the time, he just kind of lands in the copter and then drives into the heart of the city. Like a bat out of hell, too. Like, I mean, he just, like, gets out of, like, jumps out of the chopper, which mm-hmm. I was a little worried for Ben Affleck in that scene, because I almost felt like he might have almost tripped on his face. Possibly. But they're like, no, it's a good shot. But he, like, kind of jumps out of the chopper, hops into this, like, waiting SUV that for whatever reason has caution lights. It looks like a secure, like... Like a mall security truck. Yeah. That's been there. Like, did he call for that or did they just have that there and he took it without. A- I mean, there's just. I, like, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was like, because I was like, first off, if it is his. And I mean, and this is. This is like minutiae that's like really nitpicking, I know, but it's like, it's these, just these weird things that are very small moments that for a fan, like, really pulls you out of it. You're mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Because, um, yeah, I was just like, why. A. Why does Bruce Wayne have an emergency vehicle of some kind? Like, why does he have that? B, if it isn't his, who just lets somebody just take a car? Was it the guy standing there just like, yes, sir, there's this vehicle for you. Please steal it. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything. I just work here. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't know. So, yeah, he hops in this SUV and then, yeah, just speeds into Metropolis. And, I mean, he is wheeling and dealing down the roads all over the place. And I don't know about the rest of the world. But when I have seen tragedy and travesty by explosions or what have you in the news, and there are shots of people panicking, it's chaos on every street. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing as like, oh, I've got a car, and I'm just going to fucking just race through town, because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he's taking a right here, and he's taking a left here, and he's easily driving like 45 to 50 miles an hour through town <laughs> for a lot of it. And I'm like, he's going to hit a pedestrian. <laughs> well, he gets caught at an end. He takes a side street, mm-hmm. smashes into a wall with the SUV, and continues on like it's no big deal. And I don't know about you, but every modern car today has side airbags, and they all would have went off. It's um, it, By the logic of a superhero movie, it's a very Batman thing to do. It's very much what Bruce would do in this situation. Right, it's, right. it's probably so, the most true to him in the entire movie. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, and he does. Like, he's, he's on his way. He hops on the cell phone. And this is where, again, mm-hmm. I just got confused. Because I was like, I don't know who this character is. I don't know what relation this character has. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's somebody Bruce cares about. Um, because he calls this guy on the phone, and I think his name was Jack? Yep, it was Jack. And so he calls Jack. We don't know who the hell Jack is. We don't know the backstory about Jack. We don't know why he's significant to Bruce. Is he a board member for Wayne Enterprises? (laughs) Is he just, like, a close family friend? We don't know. And so he calls Jack, and he's just like, you gotta get everybody out of the building right now. Right now. And, and then he does. He's just like, all right, everybody out. But but first of all, what's happening here is that they are still working in the Wayne Enterprises building where you can see clearly out the window that the world build the world machine is doing its its thing over there. Like, like chaos is happening. Other buildings are falling down. 
two weird alien guys are flying through the air, lasering everything. And they're still working, and they don't even evacuate the building until Bruce Wayne calls this dude and says, get everyone out. And then I distinctly remember him saying this, the boss wants everyone out of the buildings. Like, so (laughs) no one figured that out? Is Bruce Wayne running Wayne Enterprises like Steve Jobs runs an iPod factory in China? Like, you're not allowed to leave. Such a micromanager. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then when when it's it's apparent that you know the building's been evacuated but only Jack is left in the same spot that he was before. Yeah, dude hasn't moved. Like, and then the building is about to collapse. He's like heavenly father's like fuck that. Right. He starts reading off his last rites to himself <sighs> before he eats the big one. And <sighs> it's just it's and again it's so confusing in the moment because you're just like again who the hell is this guy? Why is he significant, mm-hmm. if at all? Um, of course, Bruce is on the ground. He sees, and, and he sees what happens. I mean, he sees <laughs> he sees Zod and Soups crash into the building, mm-hmm. and then laser eyes of doom all over the place. <laughs> laser. And then the building starts coming down, and Bruce, being I don't know, mostly crazy, mm-hmm. runs into it. Like I mean, most people like we all. It's a really sore spot to bring up, but not not to say bad, but 9-11, when the buildings came down, people were running away from the smoke and the cloud and the terror. Mm-hmm. That's what people do. Well, Bruce Wayne runs headfirst into it because he, he this is what he does. Exactly. And, well, and again, that's still true to to Bruce right. as a character. I mean, and the, and the thing is, yes, this movie is so framed, especially Man of Steel as well, framed within this 9-11 mindset which yes. just looms over this movie in a way that is not good. <laughs> no, it's 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 not okay, like, it, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that's part of the problem is I think there's a lot of general public who, like, in just that part, and in, in, in Man of Steel and this section of the movie, in Beavers, in, in, in BBS, <laughs> it's so out there BBS. Nobody's thinking about that, strangely enough, which mm-hmm. I'm like, this has a lot of weird symbolism to that kind of stuff. And it's not to say that I'm not insensitive and I'm not saying that we shouldn't remember history. We should. But there is a time and a place and there is a certain amount of honor that is deserved to those that were fallen. Mm-hmm. And and this movie makes it like it's kind of this casual thing. But again, very much staying true to the character. And they kind of use part of that mm-hmm. uh, for for part of this story yeah. that, we're, that we're being told. Ultimately, Bruce runs into the into the mess. He finds a Wayne Enterprises employee. The guy looks like a security guard, for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Uh, the guy's trapped under a giant steel beam. His legs are crushed. Um, and he's begging for, you know, you, you know, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne! Yeah. Which, Bruce is like, this is your name, because it's on your name tag. Is that what you go by? Like, the they call you Wally? Like, it's like, why would you name a character Wally? It's like... Right. <sighs> right. So it's just, it's this weird, like, okay, like, everybody helps him, they drag him out, and then for the most part, for quite a while, you never hear about this character mm-hmm. until further down the road. Yeah. Um, and then Bruce sees a little girl who's about to get crushed by what, I, it looked like a giant vehicle. Um, yeah. that was kind of upturned or something, or a steel beam or something that was upturned. It was mostly an, it it's was, about to crush this like eight, like seven, eight year old girl. Mm-hmm. Bruce runs in, saves her. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Where's your mommy? We're gonna help you find your mom. And then, sadly enough, mm. she points up 
to the giant half a building that's now standing there and Bruce is just like I'm a shitty person for asking <laughs> it's like do you really like a child that's first of all standing in the wreckage of your building lord knows if her mother were alive she probably would have been with her first of right. all why is this kid in the building I mean, that's beyond whatever, you know, okay, it gives Bruce like a, he cares about this particular child right now. And, you know, it just sets up the whole, this is why Bruce is pissed off at Superman. Yeah. Um, And then you cut to two years later, about 18 months is what they say. And then the plot of the movie starts pretty much from there, which if we can call it a plot is saying something. Um, It's... (laughs) ridiculous because it basically is about uh you know if if you started it off with with what we just described in terms of bruce being the metropolis when all this went down fine that would have been legit reasons for him to be distrustful of superman and all that stuff and very again in line with a certain aspect of bruce's character you know the the thing with batman is that he has gone through several evolutions in terms of how determined he is, how paranoid he is, you know, and that varies depending on the writer or, you know, what the company is going for at the time in DC. And this seems to be playing with all of them mashed into one. (laughs) Right, right. like, Batman, this version of, of Batman that we get in this movie is so... He's so kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. because you have these moments where you, you feel, you feel like he is like legitimately like kind of a sympathetic character. Like he's this very like silver age Batman. Like he wants to save the innocence and everything. But then we jump into this weird, weird world where we're kind of at like the Frank Miller Batman Mm -hmm. where he's, he's this very dark, very brutal individual. Um, and then simultaneously, outside of his cowl, Bruce is this very, like, you, you can just see, he looks very sad and morose <laughs> all the time. Like, like he knows the things he does are terrible things, and he legitimately doesn't like what he does. Yeah, he um, even says it so to Alfred. contrary to Batman in general, because it's not necessarily that Batman enjoys what he does by any means, but he knows it's a necessity, so it's not that he's ever sad because he has to do what he does. He chooses to do what he does because he believes in saving the innocent. Yeah, he he sees the purpose in what he does. Um, and, and yeah, there have been stories where Bruce questions his place. Like, what, you know, is he actually making any kind of a difference in Gotham? Which, I mean, he's basically, you know, I mean, and a lot of people have discussed this. Like, he's fighting a losing battle that Gotham will never be crime-free. But as long as there is a Batman and as long as there are the, you know, not necessarily, I don't want to say disciples because that just feeds into this, like, franchise's god complex. Uh, But as long as there is a Bat family and people who have learned from Bruce, there will be people to fight back against, you know, that kind of darkness. And there is this interesting, I guess, so so one one thing listeners should know is, like, at this point, Batman's, like... And this is something, again, that the movie doesn't really translate very well. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't communicate it incredibly well until a little bit later. And then you're like, oh, so it's been a while. <laughs> um, this is Batman into the job for like 20 years. Yeah. Like he's he's like age 40 now. He's been doing the Batman thing for 20 years, just punishing 
<laughs> all of the bad people in Gotham. And they, they, kind, they indicate that he's been getting more brutal now because he's branding people. Branding. Like, branding! Apparently he's a sadist. Um, right. And then, and so I'm, here's one thing I'm very confused about too, which I was thinking about today because I haven't been able to get rid of my anger, uh, no matter what I do right now. Uh, but so, because, you know, Superman, you know, uh, at one point stops Bruce from uh, basically killing a whole bunch of people who are transporting the raw kryptonite to Lex Luthor, which we'll get into that. But he he opens up the, the hood of the Batmobile and he's just like, next time that signal goes up, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Blah, 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 blah. If they have a bat signal, that indicates that the police department in Gotham relies on Batman to do certain things, right? right. Like, it's not Batman, like, compunctually, like, I have a bat signal. Yeah. I built, I built a bat signal. Yeah. I turn it on whenever I need to feel good about myself. He wants to like, let the, <laughs> he wants to let the people of Gotham know that he's out there. But, right. but like, that's supposed to... Oh, Batman's out. Mm. Uh, I'm going home now. Yes, I'm going back in. Actually, maybe that would be a better idea with this version. <laughs> but, so, the typically, the bat signal is for Commissioner Gordon to turn on and be like, hey, uh, we need you, come and talk to me for a second, and then off you go. Uh, so if you have that, if it's indicated that they have it, and we see it, uh, even towards the end of the movie... Uh, when Batman has saved those, you know, uh, uh, Asian women from what can ostensibly be slavery, and they're scared shitless of him anyway, when the cops roll in, why is he still hiding from them? Right? Like, yeah. like in the most typical Batman fashion that we have ever seen, whether it's across the written artful form, mm. whether it's been the movie whether it's been, well, I can't say even Adam West Batman, because Adam West Batman was just like, okay, we're off to the Batmobile. Mm. Um, and that was his thing. But again, it was always like cooperation with the police. But in any other iteration, cartoon or uh, a Tim Burton movie or any of those, it's always been like, Batman's there. And then like you come in and you find this like bloody beaten pulp of a man left mm -hmm. and then it's like a battering like there were a lot of the signatures in this scene there's a battering in the wall mm -hmm. um that you know as the cops come in and i'm like ah yes the batman calling card got it yeah. okay and then yeah they find the terrified women and then they're like no he's motherfucker's still here yeah they call we're him the devil <laughs> yeah they call him the devil which i mean if it's dark and you see something with a hat on, so to speak, it looks like it's got horns. I'd love it if you had, like, a trucker hat like, on. It's Satan, and he beat the hell out of everything but us. We don't know why, but it was scary as hell. Mm. And, of course, this version of Batman would be terrifying to them, considering he's branding people. Yeah, and it, it's... And it, and I get it, it's supposed to be setting up that Bruce has gotten more brutal recently in the last couple of years because he's he's angry McAnger pants and you know, and he's he's pissed off at, you know, Killy McSnaps your neck. Uh and <laughs> I'm referring to this version of Superman forever as Killy McSnaps your neck. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was patent pending coined here. <laughs> <laughs> that girl with the curls. Uh, Killing McSnaps your neck. Uh, 
Um, and, and yeah, it's supposed to set up the brutality, but it also goes against the logic of Gotham City, which also, for those who don't know, is right across the bay from Metropolis. Yeah, so that's another huge issue. And I had heard about that probably, God, six or so months ago mm-hmm. before this movie came out. Like, there was some Puff article that came out, and it was talking about the movie and its setting and kind of the, the relative world of where Metropolis versus Gotham is. And and the comics have always set it up like Gotham and Metropolis are kind of um, mirrors, if you will, so to speak, to what is modern-day, like, New York, Chicago kind of cities. Like, they're definitely away from each other. You can get to one or the other by, by car, by bus, by plane, however you choose, but they are definitely separated by, by some distance. Like, yeah, they're generally, like, along the eastern seaboard somewhere. Like, I think someone was saying that, you know, Gotham is close to New York City, but it's more, like, in, like, the Delaware area, perhaps. Right. And then Metropolis is more, maybe, like, further towards Massachusetts. I mean, the the actual placement of them is very nebulous. Like, it changes, again, depending on convenience. Right. <laughs> but, but, see, we... If, if we're talking about overarching world building, yes. because again, this is all just a big setup. That's what it, the, the end game of all of all of these movies are right now. These mm-hmm. uh, specifically this movie yeah. is it's this big setup to lead to Justice League, which is going to lead to other heroes who come from other coastal areas. Yeah, <laughs> strangely enough, mm. um, in similar areas. So I mean, it's really odd, but yes, like Gotham. Gotham and Metropolis are rivaling Bay Cities. They are Oakland and San Francisco. Yep, like it's it's terrible. So like, and it's like so if you're in if you live in Metropolis, you can see the bat signal. <laughs> like, yeah, like you can see the bat signal, which leads to reason that anybody like anybody in Gotham saw everything that happened in Metropolis. Like they watched a whole city mm-hmm. across the bay. Like, literally, like, maybe 40 miles away. Yeah. Just get destroyed in the distance. And did Gothamites do shit about it? Nope. Like, they... they, I mean, presumably, they have enough psychopaths that they're like, we'd like to help. Yeah. But we kind of have issues ourselves. We have our own stuff. Lots of minor issues that kind of add up to your major one that you're (laughs) It's like, we have to deal with the Joker, like, you know, regularly blowing up buildings or something, or, like, terrorist threats on that level. I mean, we have a scarecrow guy. (laughs) I mean, there's a a dude who likes to leave riddles around the city. I mean, we got stuff to deal with. We are sorry. (laughs) But, but again, it's, it's, a convenient setup so that if things are happening in Gotham and Metropolis, the characters are never too far away from each other that they can't get to the other one in a timely manner. Because if they were separated by a state, like they normally are, there's no way they could get to where they are at this point. Um, But at the same time, when you have that geography, it also takes away from the, um, the kind of the isolation of Gotham which would then, you know, require Batman to, to be kind of operating on his own um, because Gotham is its own little microcosm. And, and also with Metropolis, they're supposed to represent different aspects of, uh, of, of the greater city. Um, and also how the two cities have differences in terms of not only their heroes, but what their levels of crime are. Right. Uh, so when you have them right across the street from each other, essentially, or across a bay, it's like, 
And if Batman has been operating for 20 years, it's just like, I don't, they, it doesn't match up on any kind of logical level. Well, right, like, because this is the first time, so, so if we go by timeline, mm-hmm. two years after the events of Man of Steel, yes. just now is, is Clark Kent hearing about mm-hmm. the Batman. Yeah. Like, so, like, like, what, wait, what? Like, I'm pretty sure that there's a newspaper somewhere in Gotham, there's probably an internet column somewhere that you guys see regularly mm-hmm. that would be like, hey, there's a guy dressed as a giant bat mm-hmm. running around our city beating the hell out of bad guys. Oh, and also, by the way, there's a signal that goes up every time that we need him. So if you live <laughs> in... Which is a fairly common thing. Yeah. I mean, you if he's think. been living in Metropolis for the last couple of years with Lois, because they're cohabitating, of course. I mean, don't get me wrong. Clark was Clark has always portrayed himself as as kind of like a dumb country bumpkin. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 the country... The, the country boy who came to the big city looking for his big break. That's how he's always portrayed himself because, like, that was always the safe route. So nobody would, you know, find out who he is mm-hmm. and it would allow him to have a semblance of a somewhat normal life, not putting people at risk. And also so people wouldn't assume he's Superman because of how he carries himself, how he acts. Like, he, the, I mean, if you want to, I mean, a lot of people always go back to the Christopher Reeves one and for good reason because... There's that scene where he's playing the the Clark Kent role, and he's about to tell Lois like who he is. He takes the glasses off, and his posture change. Everything about Christopher Reeve changes in that moment. And then when he decides not to, he goes back to the fumbling kind, kind of, of the slouch shoulder, exactly like shy disposition. It's it's part of the act of making sure that no one ever says like, "Hey, you know what? Clark and Superman look an awful lot alike." Like, right, like the best human trait. Clark gets to walk away with, I think, at the end of the day, is dude's a phenomenal actor, because, yeah. man, like, <laughs> you look like him. The glasses really are a big hiding factor, but, man, you just portray yourself as such, like, just a withering dolt sometimes that, like, everybody's like, there is no way, there's no way this country kid mm-hmm. could be that awesome. Yes. Like, there's no way. It's about, like, just uh, taking people's expectations and turning them around. That's the whole point, because Clark still wants to be a regular guy. Like, he has these powers because that's just what his alien physiology, you know, gives him being on Earth. But if push came to shove, he would just be a normal guy. Like, that's that's, just who he is. So so that's the other part of this story. Mm. Which we (laughs) still haven't even really gotten into. Right, like, that's the other part of the story that's really kind of confusing as well. So, I mean, we eventually get away from the fact that, again, Batman's been at this 20 years. He's kind of the sadistic crazy guy, like, turning into the sadistic crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Alfred points it out, and, and I I love Jeremy Irons. Yes. I really do, and I feel like they could have taken so much more advantage of Jeremy Irons as Alfred, because... Uh, uh, you know, as said, uh, my friend Katie made a really great point, which is Jeremy Irons has aged very well. He's a 68-year-old man, but when you look at him on screen, he doesn't look like a 68-year-old man to me. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's maybe 10 to 15 years older than this 40-year-old Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Mm. So you were like 
no prospects in life and just became the butler for the Wayne family and then decided, yep, I'm going to take care of this kid because what else am I going to do? Yeah, like, I, he clearly doesn't have any other family that would take care of him. Right? So, and I mean, and, and Alfred has this point where, like, the, the only problem I have with this character throughout this whole movie is basically every moment that you get Alfred, he makes a quip about how miserable and lonely and just uh, how ostensibly he, he's kind of tired of putting up with Bruce's shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, almost every scene, like, every scene he's in with Bruce, like, he makes some small, like, backhanded comment on how, like, well, you know, you've been trying to kill, you know, you've been trying to kill yourself for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Not without, you know, like, notwithstanding effort. Like, yeah. try. He's, but, he's very much like a, he's almost like a, a doting mother in a weird way. Right. Or he just made, and but that's also very, very uh, true to the Alfred uh, Bruce relationship at times. Like they never come out and say that he's his butler. I mean, and I think even the um, in the descriptions they were trying to say that he's not his butler. He's like a security guy or whatever. But they don't even really, you know, make any indication as to what that is. Right. Like you never see Alfred with Bruce outside of them being in the Batcave or at the Lakeside Wayne Manor. Well, and that's the thing, is, like, in, and in this instance, it would have made so much more sense if, and again, like, all I'm hoping for at this point is is if Affleck is making a standalone Batman movie, maybe we can get a little bit more background. Yeah, it would be nice. Because that's where I'm at. I'm just like, there's so many little things about certain characters in the in the Gotham universe that I'm like, I don't know why, but and, why? I mean, it does, it's it's an okay setup for their rapport, which is great. Like, the, I, I'm, I'm actually... The one thing about this movie is it does make me want to see a solo Batman film with yes. Ben Affleck and, and Jeremy Irons and whoever they would get to play whichever Robins, Nightwings, and whatever they're going to do. Um, because those two had really great scenes together when they weren't, especially when Jeremy Irons wasn't expounding you know, stuff about, it makes great men cruel. It's like, again, this goes back to the Man of Steel thing where everything out of people's mouths, are they, they're trying to go for profound statements. And it doesn't sound like anything unnatural, like anything naturally that would occur to a person to say, you know? Right. And uh, so, so with Bruce getting like extra uh, fisticuffs over here with the, the branding and the killing of pretty much everybody, because um, this is a yay murder Batman now. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's a, the thing is, is like, and, and, and I guess to help clarify that, like, he's not an all the time, like not every single person he comes across is like, yeah. I'm going to murder him. But it, he's also like a murder by proxy Batman. Oh, like, yeah. The brand, this is something they explain in this movie, that the brand is a death sentence for anybody who ends up in prison. Now, he's, which is interesting because he's only branded up to this point, like two people. That <laughs> so, we see. <laughs> that we see. So it's like, how many people is he branding? Like, is he just like, Nope, like, you die, you die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, it becomes a death sentence, but, I mean, they say it as a, as a means of, again, trying to tell the audience, like, what this Batman is about, but at the same time, they don't actually give us, like, Bruce Wayne's version of it, where it's like, the the whole point is that he's not trying to maim everybody in Gotham. Right. But uh, but everything he does, every action sequence that Batman is a part of, I mean, and we're talking Batman here, he 
if not outright murders people by running cars into them or throwing them over things or even that that fight that we see in the 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 clip that was released you know before the movie came out when he smacks that dude in the head and he goes down on the floor that guy is dead like well, yeah. there like, is I mean, no coming shots. back from that <laughs> right well and that's the thing is like and, and this is something i i mentioned to somebody or i was talking to chris about i was like there's a big difference because, like, I mean, I've watched a lot of the animated Batman. Yeah. And I've watched a lot of different versions of animated movies with Batman, and I've watched all of the Batman movies and all that. Mm-hmm. And Batman has this weird thing he does where he uses what we will refer to as countermeasures mm. to dis- disable <laughs> opponents. <laughs> now, I catch this up with, like, I recently watched, like, the DC animated movie for, um, uh, Batman Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it, there's this whole scene. Now, granted, it's Dick Grayson, so maybe it was different. Mm-hmm. But he was posing as Batman, right? Yeah. So he's just driving, and he, like, sends countermeasures, which are basically ballistic missiles, <laughs> into, like, the towers of this building to, I guess, essentially announce, hey, I'm here, and to disable any potential threats that might be in those towers. But the whole time, and Batman does this notoriously all the time himself, but it's one of those where, like, I think he just runs on the assumption of, like, boom, 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 there is nobody in there. It's all okay. <laughs> and he just goes about his business. Like, this is a Batman who very much knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's it, it's all calculated instances. I mean, we even see the full finality of that fight towards the end of the flick where mm-hmm. it's just, like, it is. I mean, just as you said, like, he smashes a guy's face. Yeah basically almost through the floorboards mm-hmm. i'm no doctor <laughs> but i'm pretty sure the human face is not able to take that kind of blunt force trauma just even like the angle of his neck it just it's like if that guy isn't completely dead he's paralyzed right he's a quadriplegic for the rest of his life oh yeah upside no more crime from that guy I- downside he now eats through a tube. There we go. <laughs> Gotham saved once again. Um, but, okay, so, again, we get, getting to, like, the end of the movie there. Uh, but, okay, so we've established now that Bruce is, is on this crusade now against Batman. Uh, not against Batman. Against Superman. Uh, it is a crusade. Yes. Um, he, he goes to much in length. Like, he's been thinking about, and he's trying to gain a lot of information to find more things out about Superman. Yeah. Um, because he, he, he is on a mission. <laughs> but, and there's this thing where, so uh, they at one point cut to the Indian Ocean where these kids find um, what is essentially kryptonite, which was created in the wake of the world machine doing its job of trying to convert Earth to Krypton. So, which, fine, I could, you know, it's like I, I kind of predicted that was going to happen, that, you know, uh, so he, he understands that there is a rock that, uh, a small sample of which was found to be able to, uh, pierce the skin of General Zod, which they now know is like, oh, so this could go against Superman. And he's trying to get this piece of rock that Lex Luthor is having transported to him because Lex Luthor is also trying to convince the subcommittee on Superman proceedings that he can help them with, like, a Superman deterrent. Uh, he shows Holly Hunter, who is the senator from Kentucky, 
uh, all that footage of the kryptonite cutting through cutting through General Zod, and he's like, we can make a weapon out of it and everything. And so it becomes like this weird political thing at the same time. <laughs> well, and that's an overarching theme for a big part of the, at least from the Superman side of the movie. Yeah. Because um, Bruce Wayne doesn't care about any of the politics of no. people debating, like, well, was Superman right? Is it okay that we let him just take justice into his own hands without any kind of, like, um, um, accountability or anything? And and before that had happened, there was a whole bit in, like, I think it was Africa, right? Right. Where Lois and who we, uh, I think, is called Jimmy Olsen in the credits, uh, they are at this kind of, I guess, this warlord's camp, and Jimmy's little tracker thing is found out because he's actually a CIA operative, He's just executed right there. Uh, now, Jimmy Olsen, friend of Superman. Dead. Dead in, like, five seconds. They murdered his face. Um, yeah, so, and then Lois is taken hostage because they think that she was helping the CIA, and then Superman just shows up, because, of course, and then, uh, basically, when he goes after that dude, and there's, like, a bunch of people who just start shooting everyone else, too, he sends that warlord guy through like five concrete walls practically. <laughs> and right, then like, and then they just cut to, oh, we're back in Metropolis again. <laughs> like Right. We're back in Metropolis and apparently some representative of we're assuming Africa mm-hmm. is telling the subcommittee that like he killed all these people and like he answers to no god and like all this kind of stuff and we're like, Oh. Yeah. Okay. And and the and again that that political aspect is this huge overarching piece of the entire Superman side of the story yeah. throughout the movie is is ultimately ultimately there are people who who see him as a god figure as as this messiah um, and of course the opposite end of the spectrum many people who see him as really just an illegal alien mm-hmm. literally and metaphorically yep. that is in this world and in this land and and they don't trust him because he could he has the power really he's unstoppable mm-hmm. so if he chose like to go I'm gonna dominate this I, I'm I'm gonna I'm run this bitch up in here he really could yeah. and I really want to see Superman say that I'm gonna run this bitch up I'm gonna run it. yeah like Lois I'm gonna run this bitch up but <laughs> but that even leads into like another subplot which is the Lex Luthor is trying to frame Superman and, and really what it's going back to uh, is he's doing this in order to elevate or, or to heighten the uh, paranoia surrounding Superman, which is also to push Batman further and further towards trying to kill him. Uh, because Lois finds a bullet in her journal, which, she you know, the ballistics doesn't recognize it as any kind of, you know, bullet known, you know, so far. And so she figures out it's like LexCorp. And and she's like, well, how would they know that? And then she realizes that, oh, it's every time I'm in danger, you know, Superman's there and follows me or whatever. So there's that. And then there's the dude who got his legs crushed, who we then uh, see is uh, he's at this monument to not only the fallen at Metropolis, but then there's like this huge, ridiculous statue of Superman, uh, like leaning down, like he's about to lift something up. Because he saved them, even though he caused all of that damage. <laughs> like, Which I just have to say, out, like, like, just a quick aside, mm-hmm. is for, for it being two years after basically the destruction of an entire city, because we saw 
what was left of Metropolis by the end of Man of Steel. Yeah. For two years? Wow. Mm. Like, I don't know what construction companies they've got there, but damn. Yeah. Like, there was some big budgeting, and people move fast, because it's basically just like it was. <laughs> but but it also, it, it's also odd that, because it's this incident in Africa that sparks the Senate hearings, but it's not what actually happened in Metropolis that did. Right. Like, it's, they don't even really bring that up. They use the, the thing in Africa as the, as the impetus behind suddenly everyone's like, well, should we trust Superman's? Like, uh, were you guys not there two years ago? <laughs> right, right. Like, I would have thought the whole, like, he's an alien fighting other aliens for, are from the same planet he's from are now trying to rule slash destroy everything. Yeah. That it's, should have brought questions up yeah. at that time. There's just a lot of stuff that happening where it's like nothing's connecting in it's in the very disjointed, very disjointed, and then it it culminates then in the Wally guy who was uh, we then learned like Bruce was sending checks to him to like help him out. Apparently, either wasn't receiving them, and then they bring the return checks to Bruce. Like it's the first time he's ever seeing these, and they have like these things written all over them in, like, big red letters, uh, supposedly from the Wally guy, who has since gotten a uh, mechanical chair from uh, Lex Luthor so that he can testify at the subcommittee hearing against Superman, essentially. And so, as this is all happening, they're at the subcommittee, uh, Bruce is looking at these uh, returned checks that have things like, you know, you let your family die, like, where were you, and I am your ghost, and all that kind of shit. He's seeing this right at the same time that then uh, Superman is testifying before the subcommittee, and then the chair that this Wally guy is sitting in blows up <laughs> and takes yeah. the Senate committee with him. Like, like, not even just the Senate committee. Like, I don't know, a third of the building? Yeah. Like, it just, like, what kind of, like, what kind of explosive device? Like, because that's the thing, is like, and, and I mean, maybe it's to establish, like, exactly how batshit evil and crazy Lex Luthor is, is and is becoming to, like, gain what he wants. Because, yeah. again, he's manipulating everybody. Which, I gotta say, wow, two years of manipulation to get Batman to be, like, really angry at Superman. Like, like that's so a lot angry. of time. Like, there's so many other things things i can think of that he could have been doing but and again like it's it's definitely something that lex luthor would do he would play the long con because i mean at least the lex luthor that i remember from the cartoons when he was played wonderfully by clancy brown like that that is very much something lex luthor would do the problem here is that jesse eisenberg doesn't he doesn't pull off a good lex luthor not, not in the traditional sense of how we we uh, the traditional sense of the different versions because mm-hmm. there's really only a couple of different versions of Luther that we've all seen mm-hmm. between both the comics and the animated uh, shows and then the movies. I mean, we had Gene Hackman's Luther, um, which again, very different kind of Luther because it was a very different kind of Superman. Yeah. Uh, you Even know, though Je- then, Eisenberg feels like he's trying to channel some of Gene Hackman, though. He does. And, and that's the problem, is, is his performance of Luther comes off as Luther being being crazy. Like, he's, he's turning insane. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's losing... He's, 
he's kind of turning into a Batman-esque villain, like, where he's just losing his mind. Yeah, like, um, someone was saying he actually would have made a pretty decent Joker with this performance. Right! And, and that's the thing, is, like, and, and even my friend Paul, like, he, he had been, like, it's an interesting performance, like, it's really cool, because, like, he gets back to those, like, science roots, like, that I don't feel like they've shown very well in, like, in the last Batman movie that they had, or uh, Superman movie that they had Lex Luthor in. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they really showed those scientific roots really well. Um, but in this, they get back to those science roots, but then he almost comes across as, like, Joker kind of crazy. Yeah. And the second he said that, I was like, but that's not Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor isn't an insane person in terms of, like, Joker insanity. Yeah. The Joker is a, he's, he's a force of nature. Yes. Like, that's all he needs to be. He doesn't need a name. He doesn't need an identity. He's just a force of nature. That's how he's supposed to be interpreted and taken. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor is not a force of nature like that. Lex Luthor is a highly intelligent man. Yeah, he's, he's a genius. <laughs> he is brilliant. Um, and and for all of his inventions, could could help and save the world in so many ways. And he knows it. And it's not that, as a philanthropist, he doesn't try to do those things while simultaneously trying to bring down Superman. Yeah. And a big part of that is he's jealous of what Superman has mm-hmm. because it's a power he can never obtain. Um, yeah, and and Superman, in, in his eyes, is unwilling to share yeah. the secrets of his of his alien homeworld and that technology because it could help mankind. He feels like that's a very selfish thing. So his whole drive is just like, I need to bring down this... this son of Krypton, this god. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's always been the drive of Luthor. And, and Jesse Eisenberg, believe me, I don't... And and that's one thing I have to say for all of the actors, honest to, honest to Jesus, for the most part, I have a really big appreciation for everybody's performance in this movie. Oh, they yeah, all yeah, brought yeah. something very interesting and very different to the characters, which is refreshing. Well, except, sorry, but Henry Cavill didn't do anything really different. He still played Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean... Superman is different from other versions of Superman, so um, not a big deal, but like this iteration of Batman, uh, the iteration of Lex Luthor that we have, they, they are different, and it, it's interesting in what Eisenberg decided to go with. It just Do it, I like it? Yeah. No. It just, it falls so flat, because again, they give him these, the, the motivation really isn't clear like you don't really he says a lot of stuff about gods and devils and demons and they're really again trying to like capitalize on this biblical imagery right which yeah (laughs) well he has that whole dinner party and and this is one of those moments in writing where i felt like the line just got dropped flat like Mm -hmm. it it even came across it, it was delivered that way and so therefore i feel like it was probably written that way Mm -hmm. um which is just odd because it leaves you hanging for this character, like, well, wait, what? And it's at that dinner party where he, he does. He comes out and he's making this big speech about, uh, you know, being a philanthropist and the origins of the word philanthropist mm-hmm. and what it means and all this stuff. Very and very philosophical in, like, this speech he's delivering for what is clearly, like, a very young, brilliant man, mm-hmm. which is really great. You know, he has this huge measured success. And then, like, suddenly he goes off on this huge tangent that sounds like insane like yeah. you can tell like the crowd is reacting to this like what where how did we take this turn where yeah. are we right now his... and then he just drops it yeah and like and then he's just like 
thanks for coming. And then, like, goes off. And so he's just manic. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? <laughs> well, and then it's just like, like, again, his motivations change throughout the movie. Like, first it's, like, all about gods and demons kind of thing. And then it's about daddy issues. Um, it, it's like they're trying to connect the two, but they don't. They don't make it cohesive enough where you understand fully what he's trying to accomplish here. Because it all leads up to he's been manipulating uh, the everything behind the scenes, making sure that Bruce uh, basically stole the kryptonite from him or got the kryptonite, which, I again, he tries to steal it when it's being transported off of this ship, which is like a big thing that he needs to figure out, like what the, what the white Portuguese is. Um... <laughs> Which, whatever. So, finds out that the ship has the kryptonite. He goes to try to steal the kryptonite from the ship, from the truck taking it from the ship, is interrupted by Superman, who doesn't try to stop those criminals, but is more concerned with what Batman's doing right now, uh, for some reason. And, and then we see in an, in an off, it's an off-panel scene, or off, uh, off-screen scene, he breaks into Lex Luthor's, uh, compound and steals it anyway. So it defeats the purpose of the previous scene. <laughs> Why don't we just see him infiltrate the compound? I'm really glad you just clarified that because that was the moment where, and, and that's the thing, I'm one of those people when I go to a movie, yes, I buy the big, like, medium drink, and I always get juice, so I get, like, the fruit punch or whatever that they yeah. got there. Um, and so, and so like, I got up because I was like, oh, normally I would force myself to sit through this and probably kill my kidneys, but... Mm. I don't care right now. Yeah. Um, and I got up and I went to the bathroom and then I came back cause I, it was one of those moments where I was just like, I don't feel like I'll miss a lot. And yeah. so I got up and I'm really glad cause that's the only thing I, <laughs> which one did you miss? Well, that was it. Just as you described, like apparently just like Batman went and took it. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming there wasn't really anything they showed beyond like Lex suddenly shows up. And a bunch of shits on fire. Yeah, there's he shows up to his. This is like right after the destruction of the Senate of the the right. government building, and then Bruce has just seen all those things, so he's so pissed he breaks into Luther's compound. And when Lex shows up, and and by the way, when it blows up, it blows up not not only the senator and all that people, but Mercy, who is Lex Luthor's like right hand, uh, you know, bodyguard slash assistant slash everything who was essentially useless in this movie. Like, Mercy is one of my favorite, like, ancillary characters in the the Superman cartoon, and in the... the no, They haven't really used her in the movies until now, and now she's dead. Uh, but also in, like, the comics, like, Mercy is one of those, like, people who not not blindly follows Luthor, but believes in what Luthor does in right. in his being against Superman and everything. So she's always been an amazing character, and then she's played by, uh, I don't know the actress's name, but uh, this uh, Japanese woman. And she's just there to be eye candy. She doesn't do anything. She's just... No, she doesn't, like, the only... She, she really only ever has just a few lines. Mm-hmm. And it's it's at that dinner party where uh, Bruce gets the information, basically. He hacks Luther's server to mm-hmm. find out what luther's trying to get like what he's hiding like what is so important because he thinks luther is the key to the white portuguese yeah so he's just like i have to hack his network um so he he does this and that's the only interaction you really see out of this woman is like she comes down and she's like very suspicious of what he's doing and then you know he plays it off as you know like drunk billionaire playboy like oh i was looking for the bathroom Mm. and i think i got lost and she's like yeah the bathroom's up on the other floor 
Yeah. And it's uh, it's a real... That's it. Like, that's not even, like, the best version of a lie that he could have told either. Like, he was pretty far into that server. Uh, there's no way he could have mistaken that for a bathroom. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, he should have started peeing on the walls. <laughs> oh, my God, he, he should have sold it. Exactly. <laughs> or he starts hitting on Mercy. Like, he tries to, like, haphazardly do that, like, like your shoes. Like, it's, right? It's right. So it, weird. Oh, it's just so wooden. Like, I was just like, that, that just felt not even remotely natural. That felt like a really bad line read. <laughs> like, but anyway, so this whole thing is being set up so that when. <laughs> Bruce gets to a point where he's just super mad, so he steals the kryptonite and then has a montage scene of him working out and getting ready to face Superman and is, like, using the kryptonite to not only make little gas bombs, but also makes a fuck-all spear of kryptonite. Right. Like, and, and I just have to, like, I have to say, like, so this chunk of kryptonite, like, to give people perspective, mm-hmm. this chunk of kryptonite that, that Bruce has at this point, I mean, it's like, it's like two length yeah. it's probably about eight to nine inches girth mm-hmm. like i mean it's a big chunk of rock yeah all he gets out of this in this montage are three gas grenades mm-hmm. three kryptonite gra- gas grenades to clarify yes <laughs> and a kryptonite spear mm-hmm. that's it like i was trying to rock which i'm like I mean, I'm not a chemist, no. but I, I'm pretty sure you'd walk away with a little bit more rock than that. Well, like, and that and that's the thing with the kryptonite. Like, he, he normally, like, what I would imagine Batman does is that, because, again, Batman has to have contingency plans upon contingency plans, right. which, in this case, Bra- uh, Batman doesn't seem to have contingency plans. He just has plan. Yeah, he's kind of fly by the seat of his pants. Yeah. Like, I... I'm gonna do this. What if that doesn't work? I'll improvise. Exactly. And then that's it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the a... improvision is, like, literally, he's just gonna, like, deal with it in the situation. Like, mm-hmm. he's not gonna do the normal Batman thing, like, this is shitty. I need to call in a dropper. I need to have, like, Alfred, like, send the Batwing with something yeah. that I might be able to use. Like, nope, none of that. It's literally, he's just gonna, tr- like, try to fight his way out of it and survive mm-hmm. or hide or something. <laughs> or die. I don't know. Like, because at the least they should have shown him, like, at least getting a piece of the kryptonite and, like, storing it away. Because that's what Batman would do. Even right. if there was the, like, again, he's all about, like, we need to make sure there's a 100% chance that Superman isn't our enemy kind of bit. It's like, you should probably make a 100%, you know, chance to uh, keep some of that rock just in case you don't kill him. You know? Right. <laughs> it's right. like, I mean, I'm not a big planner of things like when I'm facing superheroes, obviously, but I just kind of assume that if you know that this thing can hurt him or like bring him down to your level, maybe keep some of that around instead of just turning it into everything that you need at that moment. Well, and for the ladies, I do have to say like this montage is some nice eye candy. Oh yeah. Uh, It's, it's, it's a huge, like you can see Ben Affleck went to work. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's no joke. And, like, all of these scenes, like, he's legitimately, like, I'm almost certain he was legitimately lifting these weights. Like, he actually trained. Yeah. Like, he was fucking Batman for this role. No, and and it's a the, really well-put-together montage. I mean. Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, it, and it is. Like, you can, and, and what I saw interesting, and uh, I'm curious about, and I don't know if it had any meaning. There's actually a really brief clip where he actually pulls his shoulder across um, and you don't see it on the closest shoulder, but it's on the farthest shoulder. What looks like a scar, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting because the rest of his body 
is basically unriddled. Like, yeah. <laughs> like for a guy who for 20 years has probably been getting shot at, stabbed at, ran over, uh-huh. I mean, you name it, relatively unscarred. Yeah, that's... Pretty impressive. That's kind of weird, because at least with, um, what was it, in Dark Knight... When uh, Bruce is, like, stitching himself up after the dogs go after him, you see the bruises, the scars that he's developed in, like, the two years he's been operating as Batman at this point, you know? Because that's always one of those things where, yeah, a guy who's been doing this for 20 years, he's going to have a lot more than a scar, you know, really. (laughs) So that's kind of surprising, even, that he wouldn't have more. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, so, so Bruce goes through his angry montage... Spear, very biblical. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I very much think this is like, really, we're going spear of destiny. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, of course, like in his anger, um, he sets up where he's gonna like throw down. Because, yeah. So, so he goes to this location, very, very emphatically in his super cyber suit. Mm-hmm. That's... Puts the spear in the ground. Yeah. Well, and also that suit, like. It, they were they they don't do a good job of really establishing that that suit has been being made you know no like they briefly touch on it like in the very beginning of the movie when batman comes home mm-hmm. essentially from his night of justice dealing of course um, <laughs> alfred is working on the mask of yeah. the suit um and he's doing some wiring and he's working on a voice modulation thing and which i did like the fact that they 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 like really kind of actually mention that because that's always been like the big thing is like how is somebody going to do the voice of batman mm-hmm. um we have we have the the christopher nolan batman with the bat growl yeah um we have other actors who have either done something similar or tried to like really just darken their voice <laughs> and it always just sounds like hokey as hell mm-hmm. um and this was actually the smartest way they could do it where it's like alfred like i'm working on the voice modulator so batman actually uses a voice modulator so people don't recognize that it's actually Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because it's not hard for if you if you know of a person who is a billionaire, say like Donald Trump. You know, like you know what that guy's voice sounds like. Right. <laughs> like, um, um, not that we so, want to equate Trump with you know a superhero, but no, I'm just no, saying for example, more like super villain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's it's one of those where yeah, again, like as you said, they they don't really explain why Batman has this suit why it's even laying around where it comes from like mm-hmm. what inspires it like nothing like it just he just has it yeah it's it's a brief very brief scene in towards the beginning of the movie and by the time we get to the point where he has the suit it's been like an hour and a half like and and the plot isn't it, the the movie doesn't move at a pace where you're either excited as things go on or you're even really paying attention right so, like this wasn't thrilling Exactly. Like, there's a lot of exposition in like the first half of this movie, and even then, you're still confused. Like, yeah. that's the and that's the whole thing is that by the time this suit shows up, there, I don't believe that anyone would really correlate that with when uh, Alfred was testing the voice modulator. It just it's too far distant from each other to make any sense. Like, maybe if every time we saw Alfred, he was working on some aspect of the suit, fine. But the second time we see Alfred in the ki- in the bat cave or garage or whatever the hell um it's he's working on the batmobile which then gets very much destroyed by superman um and even okay even when he's driving that car into the water garage it again going back to the cgi it looks so fake right so fake (laughs) 
Because, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the prototype, you know, uh, car that they built looks awesome, but it seems like more than anything they used a CGI car, which I, I get, but again, if you go back to the Nolan films, they tried so hard to make that, uh, the tumbler as um, versatile as possible so they could use it practically. Right. Um, so anyway, but don't but, uh, build an impractical Batmobile. Yeah. And not you like like well in general don't build a Batmobile and then just not use it. Exactly. Like, don't use it for like a whole like four scenes and then well we'll just fill in the rest with like some CGI stuff. Yeah. Like, and he's, like, he's he's driving so goddamn fast like when he's bringing the car in under the water and everything's just like dude. <laughs> Slow down for right, a second. Like just throttling this thing into the garage. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just kind of like okay, well, fine, whatever. Well, so so we get to this point where where we we know we are back to what what most people would assume would be the plot supposition of this movie, mm-hmm. given by the movie title. We're getting closer to the Batman versus Superman. Again, we're at about the. Not even our. I think we're getting closer to the two-hour mark at this point. Right, because everything does happen very fast for the last like third-ish of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, so the big turning point, of course, is is of course the explosion of the the council and everything. Uh, you know, at the at the house where where Superman goes to like like legitimately like to face up to it mm-hmm. and and like talk to these people and go, okay, yeah, I did some shit, but. You guys don't have all the facts. Like he, he, that's what he showed up there to do, and but then all I don't, these people die. I don't think that that's even why he's there. Because this goes in again to the characterization of Superman and Clark Kent. He doesn't seem to think he's doing anything wrong, and right. that's the biggest problem with this version of Superman. Not only does he not seem to think what he's doing is wrong, he doesn't even seem to like being a hero. Like, there's, they do a montage of him saving people, but it's so dour, and it's in slow motion, and he's, right. he's just, he just looks upset and uninterested. Well, and, and it, well, and see, and, and this, this takes me back to what I wanted, I kind of thought would have been a great idea, had they started in this world with, like, Man of Steel, in terms of, like, if they had gone... If they had gone very much like Earth 2 Superman, where mm-hmm. it's this very young Clark Kent, he's just coming to Metropolis for the first time in his life. Yeah. You know, and he he doesn't know what he wants in his life. He knows he has these powers, but, like, he wants a normal life. He doesn't want to be some kind of hero. He doesn't want to use his powers. Like, he just wants to try to live as normal a life as he can. And, like, in that comic, like, he goes and he, like, talks to these Super Bowl, er, Super Bowl, <laughs> football people. And they're just like, yeah, you know, you did really great, you know, out of, out of, you know, Kansas and, you know, uh, we, you know, we'd really be interested in having you. And he's just like, okay, yeah. And like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. And he ends up eventually like becoming a journalist. And that's all he wants to do is he just wants to write. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do anything else. He doesn't want to use his powers and he's trying to figure out how to cope with his powers and like, how can I have a relationship like like, would I just destroy a person if I tried to have a relationship? Like, it's these very real concerns of, like, an alien person with these powers mm-hmm. on our Earth. And I really thought, by what we saw in previews of Man of Steel, that's where they were going to go. And I was like, okay, this could make a compelling Superman. Like, this could make an interesting character if they stay in that world. And then they totally just went off the rails well, right from Yeah, because he shows up at the Senate hearing. Basically, it's like he's doing it because... 
I don't know, like, he's just waiting for them to say things to him so he can stare condescendingly at them. Like, there's... Right, like, you've done these things, and we're really upset about it, and how are we going to, like, how how can you or or we hold you accountable? And, like, at some point, he's just going to be like, you can't. It sucks to be you. (laughs) Yeah, and, but he doesn't say anything. That's it, like, he shows up, he walks into the, the room... He stands there, and then he just has this look on his face like he's waiting to be lectured to by his mother. Um, and, and then Holly Hunter starts talking, and, and that's when she figures out that Lex Luthor is doing something, because there's a jar of piss on her, uh, at her dais or whatever. Because that goes back to her conversation she had with Lex. It's not important. All of that was stupid. Um, but it's just so ridiculous. Like, at the very least, they should have had... Superman say something when he got there, like you know, because there's usually like opening statements by everybody, and and certainly Holly Hunter's character yeah, this was, was not a normal legal process. No, like she's starting this whole thing about what democracy means and you know blah blah blah. But really, there should have been a moment where Clark just kind of says like you know I uh you know I'm I'm trying to do the best with you know you know dealing with you know what I am to this world and blah 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 like some kind of speech from Clark. Because that was necessary, and they didn't do it. No, they didn't do it. And that's the thing, is, like, they could have done it, and, and, and then blown everybody up. And yeah. And, 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 and in the long term for everybody outside of this building, no meaning. Like, they weren't there, they didn't hear it, mm-hmm. they, they weren't um, a part of that. But for we, the audience, we would have had that moment of, moment of just, like, he's trying to relate. Yeah, and he's trying to explain things from his perspective and create a fair universe in his mind of like, you want me to act fair with you, but you need to act fair with me because of these reasons. Yeah. Like we would have had that moment as an audience, and and they and I agree, like that's stolen from us <laughs> entirely. And, like, and it would have made more sense too, like instead of doing the piss joke thing, or it's not even really a joke; it's just there. Um, because apparently Lex Luthor is just a, he's just the worst kind of person. Well, and again, like, if you were, if you're not paying attention, like, it, like, because the scene that brings on that is so small and really feels insignificant, because mm-hmm. it's just, it's really just Luthor bitching about daddy and, mm-hmm. like, not getting what, it, what he wants. This is basically his tantrum. Yeah, because the um, senator was gonna, she basically was not going to prove him bringing the kryptonite into the states. <laughs> and so and so like it, but again it's this very small thing that she says it's a line she says and if you're not really paying attention once she like notices again it's very disjointed because she just starts having a reaction but you don't immediately see like what she's like looking at it just looks like mm-hmm. a mason jar of tea which question why the fuck does anybody have a mason jar of any liquid in a fucking, like, congressional hearing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Isn't there security? There's supposed to be security. Like, right? there's no uh, way that that would make it to the table. <laughs> so, so the whole thing is just, again, it's so disjointed. Yeah. And it's so easy to miss. And, like, I could see so many reasons. But again, like, kind of as, as my friend Katie said, this moment was really needed at this point. Like, this is what kind of, like, throws the movie moving forward at this mm-hmm. point because up to that point we had had so much like disposition and just like what <laughs> i don't they're talking but i don't understand any of what they're saying and i don't understand most of what's happening yeah so this moment happens and it really does fly the movie forward like yeah. it really just kickstarts it to to get 
more actionable um, as far as leading into the confrontation between Superman and Batman. Yeah, because Batman then sets up like a, a few traps in in Gotham, uh, and he lights the signal up, and then super, you know he's basically like calling Superman on his bluff, you know, being like, "Okay, next time that light goes up, I'm gonna be here. You know, what are you gonna do about it?" But then prior to that. Uh, Lois Lane has been kidnapped, sort of, by Lex Luthor because she's figured out what that, like, bullet was, like, what was going on with all that. She's, she's sort of connected the dots, even though we don't, we are not privy to that until she shows up at Lex's place. Uh, and then he kind of goes like, oh yeah, the, uh, he, he's kind of explaining the plan to her. And then pushes her off the building because he knows that Superman will be there to save her. And he is because reasons. At, at this point, we weren't even really sure where Superman was. <laughs> oh, no. Right. He was on his hobo retreat up in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> and then he saw the... Speaking to his dead dad. Uh, yes. Uh, but anyway, he shows up after that little uh, crisis, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, picks her up. You know, goes back up there to confront Luthor. And then we find out that Luthor has had Martha uh, Kent, uh, Superman's mommy, uh, kidnapped and shows Superman a bunch of Polaroids, which, first of all, who is Polaroids? Uh, Second of all, it's of Martha bound and gagged and with the phrase witch written on her forehead. It is, I'm not even kidding, when I was in the theater and I saw that, I was so disturbed by that. Like, just the treatment of female characters in this movie who aren't Wonder Woman, which we will we will get to her because we haven't even really talked about her, but we're getting to that. It just... The, Lois is the... is just a damsel the whole time. I mean, she rare... She only... The only thing she actually does that is sort of plot-oriented doesn't even really matter in the long run. Like, everything she's doing is just to have more things, I guess, for her to do, but don't really impact the story, you know? And, and then with the, the, the kidnapping of Martha uh, Kent, which is, you know, uh, being used against Superman so that he will go and fight Batman, because this is what Lex Luthor wants. He wants Superman and Batman to fight it out, and so one will kill the other, either way. But he's basically holding Martha uh, Kent hostage so that Superman will try to kill Batman. And it's just, again, in, in a movie that's called Batman vs. Superman, it's actually just... Batman's mad at Superman who really doesn't want to kill him but is kind of forced to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I mean, uh I was I was just so disturbed by those pictures. It's like and It was. Well, and it, again, there there's that fucking disconnect. Like mm-hmm. again, this just it's it's a re- recurring theme of this movie. Like we're shown something and then later on we go to something else that should have some kind of relation, like either physically or metaphorically or mm-hmm. thematically, and it's just not there. Yeah. Like, it, it's just lost. Because then we do snap to Ma Kent, mm-hmm. and she's not gagged. There's no writing on her head. Yeah. She's just sitting in a room, in a chair, terrified. And and the guy who's going to kill her has a flamethrower. Like, the idea was, like, you know, because Superman apparently was only going to have an hour, but because he was talking with Lex the whole time, he's only got, like, half an hour now. Um, So the idea is that after that half hour, they're going to burn her alive. It's just like, what? Like, that's... Oh! Right? Well, so, so we lead into 
like, and so, th- and this is this is what kickstarts Superman giving into the fight that Batman has already prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the fight, so to speak, ensues. And initially, it's it's like Clark he goes back to Lois, and he's just like, "I have, I have to go do this." Sometimes, like sometimes, heroes, you know don't stay, you know, heroes for long or whatever the fuck he says. It, it literally was something that I was just like, really? Yeah. Like, really? Well, and so he, he, he tells Lois he has to go there and he's either gonna, he has to ask Batman for his help or he's gonna kill him. It's like, first of all, why is the killing part even an option at this, this point? Part is she has no context. Yeah. That's so great because it's just like, I have to ask him for help or kill him. Like, <laughs> and if I was her, I'd be like, what? Yeah. Why? I don't. What? <laughs> and so he just and so and then off he flies. Like that's the thing is like there's no discussion. She doesn't get to debate this with him at all, or mm-hmm. like ask him to like expand on that. Just like he's like, all right, I'm flying away now. And I, again, I just have to say, whatever happened to like the like I'm gonna lightly like float away and then sonic boom, so I don't destroy everybody's eardrums. Yeah. Through this whole movie, that's. All Superman does is just, <laughs> you're like, what the well, fuck? Everybody around you is deaf. Yeah. <laughs> like, or he's blown up the windows of many buildings at this point. And so then, he flies off. He, he meets Bruce. Like, Bruce is waiting for him. Yeah. And he, he does, like, legitimately, like, Bruce, you don't understand. I need to explain. And, and again, we've had no background backdrop to, oh, I know you're Bruce Wayne. Exactly, yeah, that was like, how, did he peek? We never saw him peek, how does he know? Right, we never saw him peek, and Batman doesn't even react. Like, Bruce, like that's what I would have expected, was like a little bit of shock in, in Bruce's face of like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Yeah, because other than him hearing Alfred in the little earpiece when they met at the, the gala at Lex's place, like, has he ever seen Alfred? Does he know who Alfred is? Like, he, I mean, that could have been anything, really. Right, and so, so he, he, you know, at this point, like, he tries to explain to Bruce, and Bruce, like, just isn't hearing it. Immediately mm-hmm. hits him with a barrage of these, like, two sound devices that are, like, I, I don't know what he was going for. But yeah, I think Superman he was trying to overwhelm quickly, him. Like, destroys and dispatches, and it's just, and then, like, the words just kind of stop. Like, he walks up and he goes, you don't understand, and then, like, they have to, like, down, no, like, facially. this is this this is what confuses me so much because really the fight never had to happen. the no. The fight would have been over before it even began because all <laughs> Superman had to do was not goad him by pushing him again. Right? Like <laughs> instead, just be like, like, like Bruce. I'm trying to explain to you. Luther is using us against each other. Mm-hmm. He has my mother captive and will kill her yeah. if you don't help me. That's all he I had to do. I have to kill you or you have to help me and I'd really rather it go the way of you helping me. And 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 that's the thing too. It's like if he instead of pushing, you know, Bruce really hard that one way, if uh if if he had just like pushed him up against the wall and made sure he couldn't move because obviously he could do that because he right. wasn't blasted with the kryptonite uh dust grenade thingy yet. Uh, he could have just slammed him up against the wall in the super suit and been like, look, you've got to listen to me because I don't have a lot of time here. Right. Uh, because that's, that is what Superman would have done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so in this moment, like, so they, they, 
they have the superhero beatdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go to it. And, and yeah, I mean, Bruce is clearly outmatched. Uh, he's, he's getting thrashed and trashed and all that. Mm-hmm. Pulls crypto grenades, <laughs> launches it, Superman catches it, and then it's like a laughing. It, like, it reminded me of, like, a Joker kind of grenade in that moment yeah. where it's just like, kink. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. Well, it's like he and, catches it in slow motion and then it blows up. It's just like, oh, for fuck's right? sake. Right, so it's... So so this whole fight, for anybody who's a fan of the comics mm-hmm. in the in the Batman universe, any of the comics, this isn't just anything canon, off-canon, all that. This is really... This whole fight is an entire tribute to Frank Miller's um, Dark, Dark Knight. Knight Returns. Yeah. Like... In every way, like oh, I mean, yeah. from the suit to the sound devices to the turrets, mm-hmm. like every aspect of this fight is exact. Like it's ripped right out of the right out of the book. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's everything, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, except for the fact that that fight has a completely different context. Mm-hmm. That's really all that's pulled away from this is it's the fight and the fight alone. Like it's none of what we got out of that comic that had any kind of real value to it. And really, again, like, there's nothing about this fight that means anything within the overall purpose of the movie. Like, again, it could have been over in, like, two seconds if, for some... I I, I just don't understand why Superman just didn't stop it before it started, because that's, again, what Superman does. Right, well, and that's that's either of the characters. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, Superman is a little more quick to, like, the peaceful method of things. And a big part of that is because he knows how powerful he is. Yeah. He knows that pretty much nobody can stand in his way. He'd really rather not have to hurt someone if he doesn't need to. Exactly. So he always goes the diplomatic route when possible. And and that's really, like, that's such a core fucking part of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, like... Across the genre, like like canon, non-canon, I, the only time that is not a part, and even then it kind of is if we get into, God help me for saying this, <laughs> the Injustice like comics where Superman, like this is like the worst, like the darkest timeline version of Superman. Like yeah. this is, Lois Lane was ripped from his hands, the woman he loved killed by the Joker, and he becomes everything humanity ever feared. Mm-hmm. He becomes this omnipotent ruler, this dictator with an iron fist who will kill anybody who stands in his way. Yeah. But even then, a lot of moments, he tries to resolve with his like former hero friends where he goes, "You don't have, we don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. You can just stop and join me or allow yourself to be put into prison, but we don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, fuck you, you're a and then he kills them. Yeah. So, so I mean, but even then, that's uh, at the root. It's such a core piece of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is where we reach into this world where Zack Snyder is doing whatever he wants with these characters. Really, like he's yeah. changing them in ways that he wants to change them, and it's it's disturbing mm-hmm. and upsetting. And and for core comic readers. It's really upsetting yeah. because because we we know these ways. Like for people, anybody listening to this who's not a core comic reader, like you're just you know out there run of the mill Joe who probably hasn't like maybe once picked up a comic book, but it never became your passion, never became your life. You probably care less, but you're still probably like some of my other folks that I know that are like that going. 
it didn't make sense. Like well, again, I'm sure there's a number of people who are on the same consensus we are here. Like, why didn't Clark just say, "Hey, we don't have to do this"? Yeah, there's. I mean, and that's the thing. Like this movie, I don't really know who it's for. You know, it's right because a lot of like like Snyder said that you know it's it's a movie for the fans. Yeah. That's okay. It's a movie for some fans. Yeah, it's Let's it's a very really clarify that it's a very some small fans. group of them who are really passionate about Frank Miller's work, and for some, this yeah, because I understand the appeal of Batman versus Superman. There, there's always been that fanboy fantasy of like who's gonna win in a fight, which is still a stupid question to ask because it doesn't make any damn sense. But still, you have to make a compelling enough story for this to work because what we're presented with is just it's an unnecessary setup for a movie that isn't going to come out for like another four years like so many setups so many other setups make so much more sense Mm -hmm. in terms of like oh superman's being mind controlled Mm -hmm. and is going to destroy the planet then yeah batman having a contingency going "Mm, i'm gonna make a spear out of kryptonite because i don't want to hurt him but if i need to I need this to do that yeah. because he's got to be stopped. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. That makes all of the sense. But in terms of like, oh, both of these, like it, it builds these characters. What the story plot has built at, up to this point, up to this fight, mm-hmm. is that basically these guys are just two douche bros <laughs> on some kind of level, like yeah. going, like Batman's not thinking about anything clearly in the way Batman ever. Mm-hmm. Batman, even after 20 years of experience, you don't, human nature doesn't just change out of the blue for no reason. If he's always been a detective, he's always asked the inquisical questions. If he's always like researched his enemy, if he's always looked into every possible solution to be able to come out on top, if that's how Batman always functioned for 20 years, mm-hmm. guess what? Year 21 He's not just gonna change. <laughs> like, that's not gonna happen. The same can be said with, like, Superman. Like, even even if we take into account the events of Man of Steel, mm-hmm. again, like, he's he's a fairly non-violent guy, which is interesting, considering the end of Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, that, like, he doesn't, again, he really doesn't want to bring violence. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Actually, so you why? know what? No, 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 no. That That's not right, because in Man of Steel, they show that he'll destroy a guy's truck. For you know, insulting him. That that's fair. This that's the thing is that they've made a Superman where yeah, these actions are actually completely in line with this version of Superman because this version of Superman is a complete asshole. Right. Well, and so and and again, it's just why do we get it? So uh, so we 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 have the fight. Yeah. Um, It goes on for like too long, actually. Um, I do have to say. Batman lives up to his end of the bargain because there is the line, we saw it in previews, we see the line, of course, in the mm-hmm. movie, which is after, like, back when Superman, like, you know, basically boot-stomps the fucking Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then rips the canopy off like an asshole. Because, uh, you know, we can't just, like, knock on it and be like, sir, license and registration. <laughs> of course um, not. <laughs> we need to just, like, destroy this expensive piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um but he, you know, and Batman stands up and, and Batman asks him, like, I have to ask, do you bleed? <laughs> um, which, you know, 
Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I've made fun of the line and numerous other things. Uh, anybody listening, go out, watch Superhero Cafe, and <laughs> find the episode <laughs> where they make fun of that. It's hands down the best thing, and for weeks you'll be going, I'm gonna make you bleed. Because um, I'm Batman. Because <laughs> I'm Batman. Um, and so, fact of point, Batman totally does make him bleed. Yep. Cuts him it's right across the teeth. fucking cut <laughs> Clark's yeah. Because, again, this is sadistic Batman. Yep. Um, so it, it's very much, and, and it's such a weird moment. Like, I have to say, like, that moment was so odd to me, and mm-hmm. it's the way it was delivered. Because, so, at this point, um, what had happened is during the fight, uh, after being hit with the gas grenade, uh, you know, Superman was weak, and, and, and very much, like, human so to speak, in his abilities at this point. But so he's still he's, pretty he's, strong, too. Like, he's still yeah, he's fighting still back. Yeah, he still some of the strength, but, like, enough that, like, Batman is on par with him. Like, yeah. they're on an even playing field now. Now it's a matter of, like, who's the better fighter, so to speak. Yeah. Which, as we see, for the most part, until Superman starts kind of getting his powers back, because obviously the kryptonite gas is only a very temporary thing. Of course. Um, so, so, but during that fight, like, Batman's got 20 years of martial arts, Kenpo, Iraqi special forces training. Jiu-jitsu, jitsu. yeah. Like, I mean, like, this guy is all kinds of trained in the in the ways of ass-kicking. Mm-hmm. And is just going to town against Clark. Like, Clark, at this point, does not stand a chance in this fight. He has no dog in this fight. Yeah. This continues. Obviously, again, like, it's a very temporary thing. He gets, his, he's, like, his powers start coming back to super strength. And they even emphasize it, which I didn't understand why they needed to emphasize it quite the way they did. Because it's this whole, like, little clip of the scene where his powers are coming back and Batman hits him and his face moves. And then he hits him and his face doesn't quite move as much. And then he hits him and his face doesn't move at all. And it's just like, oh, shit. Well, and there's, and then this, there's even this... Gets well, and then there's even, like, this look from Bruce where he's like, oh, shit. It's just, it's it's weird. It's just a strange thing where he's like, did you not think that that might wear off? Like, did right. you did you not well, yeah, plan? Yeah, this, is, again, is completely untested. Like, it's, it, mm-hmm. so, so, he hits him with another gas grenade, ultimately, throws him down a giant, like, tower shaft for yeah. whatever, because I can, because I'm Batman. Yeah. Um throws him down the shaft, goes down. Rather than drag him, which I felt would have had so much more visceralness to it if he had just, like, grabbed, like, Clark by the boot mm-hmm. and then, like, just drug him over. Like, I would have preferred that. But no, rather instead, for whatever odd reason, like, I'm gonna wrap my bat cable around you. Yeah. And then I'm gonna drag you. And then I'm gonna, like, super here, like, uh, like I'm gonna, like, hammer swing you mm-hmm. into a bunch of pillars because apparently Batman's super suit gives him that kind of power. Yeah. Just throw him through cement pillars. Keep in mind, he also pulled out a uh, bathroom sink and smashed Superman's head with it. Right, like, got, like, just got very, very visceral with, like, I'm gonna smash you now. Yeah. Literally, like, the whole faux pas of, like, everything, like, he threw everything and the kitchen sink Mm -hmm. at Superman. Basically. But, yeah. Um, And so we get to that finality, that moment where he's got the spear. And he's ready to kill Clark. He's got boot on his throat. And he's going on this giant 
diatribe about like how he's he's barely a hero and not even a man and <laughs> like you're not brave like, no it's like what? you're not brave men are brave like oh, okay. oh my God. yeah it's just so very machismo which like again just isn't batman for me like batman was never like this cocky like i'm a man like <laughs> never Ever. And so, like, it just it just sounded odd coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And then, um, then he's about to stab him, and first of all, Lois kind of runs in at the same time because she got a helicopter from the Daily Planet because they can just do that all the way over to Gotham so that she can show up at just about the time that Superman's going, Martha! Save Martha! I just, okay, so that line and how it was delivered. Now, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I don't run around just putting my boot upon people's throats. Uh-huh. I can't say that I exactly get boots put to my throat. So I'm not an expert in this. But I'm pretty sure when you like cut somebody's esophagus off, like either nothing comes out or it's kind of just a gurgle <laughs> of whatever they're trying to say. I don't know what was going on there or like what kind of direction Henry was given for that, but it really came across sounding like suddenly he'd gotten the hell beat out of him so bad that he was now suffering from a developmental disability temporarily. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. And it was so bad. Because it was. It was like, Martha. And I was like, what is happening? But even then, it's like, because... <sighs> Because what we saw in the beginning when Martha Wayne was gunned down and then uh, the last word that Thomas speaks is her name, like, Martha. It's very so much like a... This weird, deep, psychological fucking thing with Bruce. Yeah, and, and, and really, like, the Martha thing almost seemed like a rosebud moment, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> rosebud. Like, Martha. So, right. I mean, and this is capitalizing on, yes, the coincidence that Martha Wayne and Martha Kent have the same first name, which that's just, that's comic books. It's, it's coincidence, but it's also, like... There's a lot of people named Martha out there. <laughs> like, the, the the odds are, yeah, someone was probably going to have a mother with the name Martha. And it's like, in the 40-some-odd years you've been alive, you've never run into another Martha before? Right. And like, and he, he kind of loses it in this moment. Like, mm-hmm. why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Yeah, and then Lois runs like, in and is like, it's his mother's name. And then that's it. That's what changes everything. Is that Bruce suddenly is like, oh, he has a mother? Named, named Martha? Martha? Like my mom. Yeah. Oh, we're good. I guess we're friends now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because, like, I, I, I made that same connection, and I was just like, wait. What? <laughs> like, that's it? Like, for two years. For two years. Granted, it wasn't by his hand, and you don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. But for two fucking years, you have been... I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. He needs to die because there's this infinitesimal percentage chance that he could destroy us all. So he must be stopped and killed. Yeah. Like that's been it for two years. He's been on this vendetta and suddenly a choked out Martha (laughs) and Lois Lane going, it's his mommy. And we're just Then, yeah, because they cut from that to... Because then he throws the spear down. And this is important because that's going to come up a little bit later. Uh, throws the spear down and then it, like, cuts away to, I think, Lex or something like that. And then cuts back to them and then Clark is then rationally explaining what's going on with with, with his mother. And then Bruce is like, I promise you, 
Martha won't die tonight. And then he goes to save Martha. Martha won't While Superman goes to confront uh, Lex Luthor. And Lois stays there in Gotham. And then throws the spear into this water area. Which I, I don't know where that was. Just throws it in there. And then... And then... Because what we still haven't covered is that Lex, in the midst of all this also got access to one of Zod's, like, downed ships, which, for some reason, has a Genesis machine in it. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure... Sh- I, I don't remember if how many ships he had, really. But apparently there's one left over, and it's, like, smack dab in the middle of Metropolis. Um, and, it, and in two years, they could build a statue and a memorial, but they can't get rid of that thing. <laughs> but, so he's been given access to this ship, and then takes Zod's body, which he was given because this other senator who wasn't Holly Hunter. Because the government makes bad choices. Of course. They they let him in. He takes Zod's fingerprints and gets access to the ship because that's a thing that Kryptonians use to identify themselves. Right. <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Uh, so he's in this Genesis machine, which is all this water and machinery, gets access through it somehow, and then dumps Zod's naked body in there, you know, cuts himself, and then, and this is, my friend Nina and I were talking about this, like, the machine then says, like, this is forbidden on Krypton, and blah, blah, blah the council, blah, blah, this is an abomination. And then Lex is like, is the Kryptonian council here? And she's like, no. And then they're like, okay, we'll just do it then. <laughs> like, right? This AI that's supposed to be, like, really advanced is just, like, given into, well, they're not here, now are they logic? so to speak. So we've seen this kind of AI at work in other versions of like super anything like right now, Supergirl, And it's the most stubborn fucking AI on the planet. Mm -hmm. Like if she asks the wrong question, the AI is like, if you ask that question again, I will destroy myself. Mm -hmm. Like this is advanced tech. Yeah. (laughs) If something's forbidden, it's not gonna do it most of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to ask it the right question to get around the loophole. Um, but yeah, so it it starts creating this abomination that decides to be birthed about the same time that Superman shows up to confront Lex Luthor. And that abomination is Doomsday. They might as well call that abomination what we got out of a Marvel movie years ago called Abomination. Oh my they, god. They might as well have. Because this thing is terrible. Like... Well, and then it just goes into the fact that they're not only using the Dark Knight Returns to justify a very short-lived fight that could have, again, been over in two seconds, but then they're shoving in Death and Return of Superman into this thing, and it just, again, this doesn't work. None of this meshes together in a way that makes any goddamn sense. Well, and that's the thing, it's like, if, if, and, and, if anything showed us that this kind of stunt doesn't it was Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 <laughs> proved this doesn't work. You mm-hmm. can't take two fucking storylines and then smash them together mm-hmm. and think it's going to come out. I mean, even even to go so far as Christopher Nolan's third Batman movie kind of proved that. Because mm-hmm. they, they tried to smash together two totally different things. Like, we had, we had what was supposed to be the luchador extraordinaire. <laughs> Bane. Right? It was supposed to be, like, this character that we all know, like, the comic fans are familiar with, and admittedly, again, 
Nolan came out of the gates, and I think that's what makes a very definitive difference between him and Snyder is mm-hmm. Nolan came out of the gates saying, I'm making my own version of Batman. Yeah. This is not associated to canon. This is not associated to some other world Batman. Like, this is my own storytelling of Batman, which I can appreciate. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he said that, I went, okay. Yeah. I'm good with whatever you throw at me at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's your version. And love it or hate it, I'll accept it. Yes. Snyder, so much of the time, has said, like, oh, I just know all the comics, and I know these heroes, and and this is the best version of those heroes that's close to canon, etc., etc. If you're not a true fan, then you don't get it. It's like, oh my fuck God. that. And, and, and so we get to, yeah, we get to this point where we have, just as you said, we really have a culmination of two movies here. We have The Dark Knight Returns. Sort of. Frank Miller, sort of, ish. There's there's a lot of very there, there's a lot of semblance there. Oh yeah, none yeah. of it is like straight from except for the goddamn fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Death and Return of Superman, which are two whole movies you could have done on their own. That, well, that's that, probably what makes me so angry. This this whole movie is built up of different plots that could have been their own movies. Like, I I would have been fine if uh, the movie had been. Um, you could have still had Batman in this, but it should have been more of a Man of Steel 2, where let's say, yeah, Lex Luthor is trying to frame Superman for something, and then it's Lois's job to try to clear his name, and then maybe because she's like reaches a, a, a point where she can't get any more information or whatever, then like another friend of hers who maybe works in Gotham says, hey, um... I really should. I really shouldn't do this, but there we. I might have someone who can help you. And she goes to Batman, who's the world's greatest detective, to help her clear Superman's name, right. thus uncovering a plot by Lex Luthor. Blah 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 blah. Like yeah, that's like we a movie. Many of the same things, mm-hmm. just in a way better way. Um, so I mean, like, so, so getting back to this, yeah. so we get we get to Doomsday. Oh God! And naked and, as I a mean, jaybird. And the thing is, is Doom, Doomsday is C- all CGI. Oh, yeah. Complete CGI. Mm-hmm. And, and it's bad CGI. Like, it's it's not it's not the Hulk bad, mm-hmm. but it's like, the, it's like a close second. Like, yeah. it's not really good. It's not really polished. Um, he's huge, which is interesting because Doomsday, even in the comics, like, he's a burly motherfucker, but mm-hmm. he's not, you know, like, three of fucking Superman. Like, I mean, like, as far as height, like, this thing's ginormous. Not to mention, it's got weird fucking power shit going on. Like, there's this Mm -hmm. weird internal electricity discharge thing that it does. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It goes back to a lot of the CGI just looking so video game-ish because it's like, anytime you throw some kind of energy at it, it levels up. Um, right. And it's like well, this weird strobe light thing going on, or what, right. what's that well, and like? So we get, and so we get the whole like, so so Clark does apparently the sensible thing, and he decides, all right, I need to get that for once. Like he learns something. I need to get this thing as far away from the city as possible. Well, the, and so the, he opts for outer fucking space. Yes, which you know, there's no farther place from the city than that. So very true. <laughs> and the government just goes. Yeah, we're gonna launch a nuke in that. Oh my god, that pissed me off. It's like there is no way in hell that they would immediately go to nuclear warheads. Right, <laughs> right. It would be like, let's see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. especially with like again, to your 
years of knowledge of what Superman can do, has the ability to do. Like, let's see how Superman handles this. Like, mm-hmm. is he going to throw him into the sun? Like, let's see what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. But no, they immediately go to, like, DEFCON 1. <laughs> like, nuke, like, keys are out. Like, the button's hot. Mm-hmm. And the president goes, do it. And they're like, all right. <laughs> you know, how many casualties? Superman. Fuck it. And they go. Like, they just send the nuke. And again, this is, again, a tribute to what happens in The Dark Knight Returns, like very early in the comic to Clark, because he's working for the government in, in Frank Miller's comic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a Boy Scout of the government for a while at this point. Yeah. Um, so the nuke hits. One of the things in space that they don't know who, like, they know one of them was Clark. Well, one of them was Superman. One of them is Doomsday. Yeah. Superman is now off the radar, assuming we nuked him. Yeah. Because we thought that was going to happen. Because you know what this really needed? A, fir- a fake-out death. <laughs> right? And then the other one is Doomsday. Now on Stryker's Island, mm. in between Gotham and Metropolis. <laughs> and they make it very clear that there's no one on that island. Right. There's, like this is, this is the best. This is the best place anybody fight doomsday (laughs) at all ever in possibilities exactly this is the best place and then they don't no like batman gets some wild burr up his ass because he he talks to alfred and he knows he needs the spear and like i'm gonna go like if i get the spear then it's kryptonian so the spear should kill it and like i'm gonna lead it back to where the spear is which at this point he doesn't know that Lois dumped it in some random pool. But then she, for some reason, because she's still there in Gotham, has thrown the spear into the pool. And then Lois starts running back to it like she knows they need it. Like, there's there's no indication, there's no communication. Like, she doesn't know she what's doesn't know happening. This thing is yeah. She doesn't know what's happening. She has, no one's told her anything. All she, so basically what they did was have her throw it in the, in the pool of water and then have her for some reason go back to get it, which we don't understand why. And then she threw it in the water. Now I need to jump in the water and get it again. And and it's all, it's all to basically make sure that she needs to be saved again because when Clark is up there floating above the atmosphere, the stratosphere and everything, atmosphere, and he's clearly been affected by the nuke but because the the sun is shining on him in space he is uh renewed and reborn because that's what the yellow sun does to him um something which i don't believe he's ever told anybody or else maybe the ending of this movie wouldn't have gone quite so you know the way it did uh but so he returns because he's he's fine um and he and uh, Batman are going to go up against this thing and then before he, actually even before he gets there, Batman has run into a wall and he's about to get killed by uh, Doomsday and he says, oh shit, because yeah. Because um, out of all of the moments in this movie, out of all of the dialogue, where not a single character has dropped any kind of curse bomb whatsoever. I mean, at this point, like, this very well could have been easily, like, just a PG movie <laughs> outside of maybe violence. Yeah. Like, at that. <laughs> and just, oh shit. Yeah. And then, and then, and then cri- like, super Kryptonian eye mouth lasers yeah. of doom <laughs> that come at him. And then probably one of the most wonderful moments of this whole fucking like charade of a movie mm-hmm. and then like really i feel like all this was just a big cover so we could just see wonder woman yeah because she saves batman because she uses her bracers to to 
fight against the the laser beaming things. And and I mean throughout the movie, yes, Diana has been there. She has been looking for a it's it's the weirdest of motivations. She's looking for a photo that Lex Luthor has of hers that is actually of her from back in World War One. Which I mean, it's the thinly veiled setup for the Wonder Woman movie, which is going to be taking place during World War One for the most part, um, or it could be entirely during World War One. I. I don't know. Uh, so that's what she's been after the whole time, and uh, in, there's this whole scene where Bruce, because he they have like a little like tete-a-tete between the two of them because she took the, the encrypted data that he got from Lex uh, cause she, and she couldn't break it. So she gives it back to him. He breaks it. And then uh, not only is there a picture of Wonder Woman, but there are three setups for the justice league and in individual movies. Right, like how very convenient <laughs> mm-hmm. that all of the only information that was gathered off of Lex's server is the location of the kryptonite Mm -hmm. and then each of the heroes of the justice league who all have convenient little uh, logos put on them right because someone at LexCorp was in charge of doing that um it was not cisco ramon no Um, so so, and, and that's the thing is like when we get a little taste of each of those they are they're interesting like it's it's like this mini origin story sort of kind of told in the file so to speak of like a you get a face you don't get a name Mm -hmm. uh, but you get a face and a symbol Um, (laughs) and and the only one that you really even get like a full-fledged origin to is cyborg Cyborg. yeah like and and even that is slightly kind of confusing because if you again don't know the background on cyborg um and how he came to be and this is actually based on his most recent um new backstory because what we also need to be, we all, oh, there's just so many different things. Ugh. Because uh, when we were talking about dream sequences, the one dream sequence that really matters here is that Bruce is encrypting the data, and then it cuts to, <laughs> it cuts to Batman in the duster in the desert, and we see the post apocalyptic om- Batman. Post apocalyptic Batman. We see the symbol of uh, the Omega symbol for apocalypse, which. Uh, for those who don't know, is uh, is Darkseid, because they're setting up Justice League where he's going to be the big bad. And the whole sequence is basically he's trying to get the kryptonite, which at this point he's getting the data for in the not Dream World. Um, so he's looking for the rock. And then he is betrayed by these other people who start killing everyone. And he's fighting everybody as well. And then you see parademons coming down. It's just all manner of fucked up. Uh, like, like from and again from an art from an art perspective, mm-hmm. yes, it's yes. interesting. It's interesting from a story perspective. It's confusing as hell. Yeah, like there's no explanation, and I'm not saying that they need to explain everything. But again, this the way it goes from him encrypting the data to this dream sequence. There's no there's no indication other than the fact like, well, this seems weird. It's just a a quick jump, like a quick edit, and then suddenly we're in the desert, and Batman's just doing Batman things in the desert with an Omega symbol around him. And then he's taken to this underground bunker where Superman shows up because the people who were, like, attacking him had S-shields on their arms, so they're soldiers in alignment with Superman. And Superman shows up, and then he kills a bunch of other people and then pulls Bruce's, you know, uh, cowl off and then is saying something like, she was my world and you took her from me, and then, like, basically takes Bruce's, like, gets him in the heart or something, 
yeah. essentially killing him. Then he wakes up, but it's not. It, he's the dream sequence like, this isn't is done. Inception shit. Like, yeah, he's in a dream within a dream. And and that's what makes it so confusing because when we cut to the next portion of this dream sequence, there's suddenly a portal and. Uh, a dude in a super suit, and it's very much the Flash because it's the red, you know, the red and everything, and it kind of looks like Ezra Miller, who has some weird porn stash thing going on there, which was odd. Uh, he shows up and he's just like, "Bruce, you were right about him. It's about Lois." Blah. Like he's just giving him information that won't make sense for like another forty-five minutes. Right. And well, even, then, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to any of us. Like, yeah. We're, like, and it's one of those like I didn't connect dots until later. Mm-hmm. Like, really reflecting back, and I went, "Oh no, yes. no, 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 no! <laughs> please, no! We're not going down that road." But, please. but even then, because it's it's essentially another dream sequence, maybe sort of. We're not sure because of the way it's it's edited. Because he wakes up again, and there's right. no indication that the flash was there. It doesn't. It doesn't help. It doesn't like. Is is this going to happen then in the Justice League movie? Or are they right, going to have like, a? Did I just watch Batman versus Superman Inception? <laughs> is that what I watched? Yeah. Because I'm not. <laughs> like I don't know if we're not. I don't know if the end of this movie was we still aren't in a dream. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know because it's... it like it happens often enough that like it, it and it's so disjointed. Yep. That it's like I what the hell. Like, yeah. just what the hell? And then, I mean, so this is all leading up to the fact that, say, so Wonder Woman's been there, you know, front, you know, in and out of the movie. She's in the movie about, like... She's 50- never announced, by the way. No. Like, <laughs> at any point, like, you see her symbol in the file, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. nobody ever says her, her like, her, her mundane name of Diana. No, they call uh, her Mrs. Nobody refers to her as Wonder Woman. She never refers to herself or identifies herself. When she's she getting off the plane. She's literally just a nameless, nice-looking lady well, no, because when, she, when she's getting off the plane, some, the stewardess calls, like, uh, Miss Prince? Like, that's it. Like, that's all you get. Uh, and right. then she shows up in full regalia, saves Batman, and then, you know, they start going up against Doomsday, and then Clark shows back up, and then they're fighting Doomsday. Right. Well, and IGN made a really good point in their review on this, which mm-hmm. is, the problem is, is there is zero buildup of a relationship of any kind, of friendship or anything, yeah. between Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So we get this big moment that we it was given away in previews. So there was nothing in this moment that made me be like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like this is shit's about to get real." Well, and there was like that. The score was very odd because when whenever Wonder Woman shows up or anything like significant to Wonder Woman happens, there's this very out of place guitar riff that happens. It's like, like, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with Hans Zimmer's score at all, right? So I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out if that was someone else. I do I do like the way Wonder Woman is represented in the entirety of the fight. Um, yes, because I mean they really bring it to the forefront. Like mm-hmm. this this is an Amazon warrior woman. Yes. like this is what she does. Um, I'm not really sure. Oh no, it was on her back. Never mind. I was about to say I was like I'm not sure where the sword and shield came from. It just showed up. But mm-hmm. it, didn't, it was on her back in the I, beginning. I, um, I don't know where in her bags she had all that. She, huh? I don't know where in her bags she had all that stuff. Right, okay. like, where the hell are you carrying this? Um, but, you know, it, I, they, they are god weapons, mm. so who knows? Maybe yeah. they just, you know, break down really simply and we just don't know it. It's in a pen. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry for even saying that. <laughs> uh, so, so, I mean, but we get to see in the fight, like, I mean, 
mean, she she is. I mean, it's very tactical. She's going for weak points on the enemy. I mean, she hamstrings him. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting to me is, like, they ultimately discover, like, we need the kryptonite spear. Yeah. Um, And yet, simultaneously, her sword is doing damage. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, she hamstrings uh, Doomsday, uh, gets so far as to, like, cutting off one of his hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, did we? Well, and that's at, at the very least, like you can you could maybe put that together because it's part of Lex Luthor's blood that, like, because first of all, I don't even know how the body sinking in with the blood on it would do, would do any of that, but whatever. Um, so you could make some kind of argument that the human blood used to create the thing is is what's making it vulnerable. But at the same time, if you establish that it is vulnerable to being cut. You know, maybe try to do that first. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, there is a moment where we see Doomsday. He he hits he hits uh, Wonder Woman. She flies back, and you know, she hits the car, mm-hmm. and then like she, you know, and so she readjusts. She comes to, and she's very much got that like warrior's grin, like mm-hmm. like it's the thrill of the fight. And yeah. this is such a huge thing for Wonder Woman because again, she is she's a warrior. Like yes, she's a woman, and yes, she has vulnerabilities. Just like any woman, but first and foremost, a big, huge part of her character is that she's a warrior. Like, this is what she is. Yeah, this, this, I mean, and this isn't a situation where, you know, yeah, she's a warrior, but she's also very much in the same vein as Superman will try to end a fight before it starts. But again, right. we haven't really established that either because there's really no reasoning with Doomsday, so you don't even get that aspect of either of them. Like, because it's just a monster. Like, Doomsday, I even believe in the comics, was an articulate monster. Like, I think he could say things. <laughs> yeah, but it was, yeah, it was very disjointed words, though. Yes. It was, you know, like, pain! Yeah. And then he tried to, you know, kill you. Yes. Um, but at the at the very least, yes, we get we get the warrior side of Wonder Woman in this. Hopefully in the next, in the in the her solo movie, we'll get a lot more fleshing out of the character. Right. And, and, and again, for, for the entire, like, ten to maybe fifteen total minutes of screen time in this entire movie that she has. Mm-hmm. She's wonderful. Yes. She's, Gal Gadot she's, is really good. And, and I was legitimately one of those, like, concerned, mostly, mostly not even because of the actress. A lot of it was, like, I just saw her and I saw her size. And for some reason, for me, mentally, like, I don't know. Like, I just... I have this weird built-up version in my head of what an Amazonian would look like. Mm-hmm. So I was like, she just seems really skinny. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I'm not saying she, she can't do a good job. She just, she seems skinny. <laughs> yeah, no, it was an ongoing, well, not an ongoing debate, but it was a concern of, I think, a lot of people had about, like, representing uh, the, the body type of an Amazon. It's like, because there's very much this concern with, like, the idea of, of waif-foo, you know, it's like the Buffy uh, vampire slayer where yeah. she's imbued with power. So, yeah, she's skinny and so she can do all that stuff. But Well, and that is such a piece of Diana's past as far as, like, what, where she comes from. Yeah. The um, Amazon- then, uh, again, at this point, there's no explanation of yeah. whatsoever. Like, the- we could totally be like, skinny chick. But you know what? Skinny chick rocked it. Like, she, she yeah. kicked ass. She mm-hmm. took names. Um, was just incredibly, incredibly well done. Like, that... Out of all of the things Zack Snyder did right in this movie, which is not a very big list, yeah. he hit this one on the head. Like, yeah. this was the one thing that, like, he really nailed down. And I think I think that's because he had a moment of clarity where he did actually know and realize exactly how important it was that she be, repre- be represented 
well mm-hmm. on the screen when she showed up. Like, it couldn't just be like, oh, we showed you Wonder Woman, and now you just have to wait. Like, we have to we have to actually show her be awesome. Yeah. To sell the next movie. It's, uh, yeah, because it's, uh, again, for me, it just really goes back to, like, I, I get that she's after this photo of herself from World War One, but it's like, so what? Like, what... I don't understand why it's a concern of hers that that photo is out there. Right, like, how many people know her that mm-hmm. would suddenly recognize this photo and be like, hey, you know, you look just like this, oh my god, you're her. Like, yeah. how many people are gonna it's, make that connection? It's like, like the loosest... Like, Lex are the only two who, as far as we know, mm-hmm. are the only two who know. It's the, it's the loosest of reasons for her to be there. I mean, because, yeah, it's like... It's a photograph you she clearly indicates towards the end of the movie that she's been you know away for like a hundred years. Like she hasn't right. been really back in the world of man since World War One. So See, I feel like it would have been a way better sell had it been like, oh, like like in the moment where it was like Alexander's sword mm-hmm. that was in the case. Like instead, what if it had been like her sword or yeah. her shield or her lasso or something of hers, like something tangible that had real meaning, like a personal item of meaning to her. Yeah. It was just like, I'm here for something that belongs to me. Then I could have been like, oh, that suddenly makes sense. But a photo? Eh. Yeah. But whatever. Again, yeah. whatever the reason, as flimsy as it was, we got to enjoy her on the screen. Exactly. Fantastic. So, um, and then we get to see the Trinity kind of pose for the camera, and uh, and then they, the you know, they have the kind of humorous moment of, uh, I thought she was with you, you know, whatever. Actually, the the funniest moment in the movie is uh, when Martha is about to be killed, and Bruce totally shoots the guy with the flamethrower. Right, like, 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 I'll do it, I'll, I'll do it, and he's just like, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Boom, and you're like, what? Wait. And then he covers Martha with his body because his, you know, his cape is flame retardant. Why not? Uh, and then, he, then just like him and Diane Lane, he's like, I'm a friend of your son. Like, okay, first of all, no, you were like five right. minutes ago, you were about to kill her son. Like 10 minutes ago, you were going to murder him. Yeah. Now you're friends. And then, yeah, her little quip, like, I, I kind of thought so because of the cake. Yeah. Like that's the only <laughs> legitimate time I laughed when I knew I was supposed to be laughing. Right. Like, and, and those are like really the only two like hilarious, like, like actively funny jokes mm-hmm. that are really posed. Like, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg in his representation as Lex, like, he has his manic moments where I think he's supposed to come off as being silly or funny, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't translate. Yeah. Like, it just, it, again, with the character, it falls flat for me, where I was just like, I don't, I don't see him as funny. He's just a manic psychopath. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. When, and, and so th- then, once the Trinity starts, you know, going at it, uh, Superman then hears Lois pounding on the piece of debris that has fallen over her in the water because rescue. <sighs> he 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 gets her out of the water. She like half drowns, and it's just this weird thing too, where he kind of gives her this look when she revives. I don't. It's just a strange look, like he's looking her looking at her like she's this precious little thing. Dives into the water to get the spear and floats and back up. Drowns again. <laughs> He floats back up to the top. She pulls him out of the water, and then there's, like, this moment where... And I really, for some reason, I I thought that what was going to happen was because you've made a spear out of it, that Wonder Woman was going to javelin throw that thing into right, the okay. heart. I was on the same logical plane. <laughs> like, it made so much... Like, oh, we're going to 
gonna like javelin throw that motherfucker. Yeah, because yeah. it would have made sense for Wonder Woman to do that. But then Clark's like got this look like he's gonna he has the sacrifice moment uh, because he'd had a previous conversation with his dead dad about. <laughs> and the thing is, like, what I love the story that Pa Kent tells his son is actually a very good story because it does it does you know flow into this idea of you can't save everybody and and which is supposedly the crisis that he's dealing with but they don't do a good enough job of, of throwing that in so he tells a story about like when he was a kid and was working on the farm and it was flooding or something like that and so he and his father worked all night basically to stop the flooding and he felt like a, a big hero about it because he'd helped save the farm and his mom made him a cake and then you, then he says, like, then I didn't realize that at the same time the Lang farm had basically gone under. Like, it had, it had been washed away, like, basically. Yeah, they had rerouted the water upstream that was going to destroy their farm. Mm-hmm. Over to the Lang. destroying somebody else's. Exactly. And so it's, a, it's actually, that's a very good story. But then it, it's ruined by this idea where, um, you know, he says he had nightmares. And then Clark asks his ghost dad, you know, when did they stop? He's like... When I met your mother, it's like, ugh, no. Like, right? don't, this is like a very Frank Miller deifying women on a pedestal thing. Ugh. It's like, the love of a good woman will stop all of your nightmares. Right. Like, well, and, and this is like, and so once we get out of that scene, like, we get to, we get back to the whole um, issue at hand with this spear. Mm-hmm. Like, we've established previously in the fight between bats and soups that even just kryptonite dust. That he's in hail. Like, mm-hmm. kryptonite is his weakness. Um, it makes him mortal yes. for all intents and purposes. Like, Batman was beating his ass. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, he can fly not very well, mm-hmm. but he can, which is interesting considering he couldn't at all. Yes. <laughs> he was fighting Batman. If he passed so out on he, the like, way up. Fastly, like, grabs the spear flies to doomsday and shivs him in the chest with it. Basically, yeah. And he doesn't and even get it. There's a moment where you're like, oh, okay. Like, I guess. But he doesn't sure. even get it, like, all the way in either. He, like, gets it halfway in, so it's not quite killed him yet. And then doomsday, because he's been weakened by exposure to the kryptonite, stabs him through the chest plate, basically. And then they both die together. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. It's so... What the fuck? Uh, like, that's all I could say. Like, I... It took a lot. It took a lot for me in the theater not to be like, Really? <laughs> Just really? Like, that's where we're going with this? Come on, guys. Come on. Um, because it's just... It, it's just stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid. Um, that's the only word I can use to describe it. It's yeah. like, why? Like, where... There were so many, like, so there's all these promises that could have happened in, like, A, we could have just ixnade that whole fight. Yeah. Um, B, we could have just ixnade this whole movie, as said <laughs> previously. Like, we could have done two totally separate movies. Like, if you wanted to do, like, a real just kind of, like, closer to Frank Miller's Batman Returns, like, ensemble with Batman, do that movie. Like, should have just done that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been a lot better. It wouldn't have been nearly as disjointed because all this movie established is that apparently Batman has fucked up dreams and some of them mean things about the future, maybe, but maybe not. 
<laughs> so true. Like, what? Like, I was just like, wait, is he Miss Cleo now? Is mm-hmm. Batman Miss Cleo? And, and, and yeah, so it's just like, so Superman dies, and then, and then they have a funeral for both Superman and Clark Kent because they have to, you know, get, you know, go through with that or whatever. And because we've already seen that, you know, he can be revived by the sun, but again, we don't know if he's ever told anybody this. <laughs> so they, they go through the whole process of burying Clark. You know, we find out that he was going to propose to Lois because, of course, he was. Um, <laughs> and they put the body in the ground. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes during that scene. Like, like he sent it here for you because he was going to give it to you as a surprise. And, like, I knew. I knew the moment, like, Ma Kent says that and hands her the envelope. I was like, it's a fucking ring, isn't yep. it? And, like, shink, there it is. And yep. I was like, you son of a bitch, Zack Snyder. <laughs> I was just like, like, my eyes physically rolled, and I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> so they bury them, mm-hmm. and very much Superman has very much, like, the hero's... Um, you know, the hero's funeral. The yeah. whole city's gathered, and the they, police. They bury him like a soldier. <laughs> yeah, like an honored soldier. And, and they even make a point to address that between, like, um, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, between Diana and, and Bruce, where they're having this conversation where he's just like, you know, they're they're burying an empty box, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back there. And, you know, they're, they're in, you know, in a pine box here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for this man. And she goes, you know, the people are honoring him the only way they know how, which is to honor him as a soldier, because they didn't know him as anything other. They, they don't know how to treat him. Yeah. I, um, I, I do got to wonder if anyone at the Kent family home was looking over at Bruce Wayne being there and be like, how? How did... Like, how did why Clark... is Bruce Wayne here? Yeah. That's weird. Well, <laughs> bigger question, because I come from a small town in the middle of fuck all nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um would anybody have even known who the fuck Bruce Wayne was? Like, I would have just been like, who the hell's the guy in the suit? Like, yeah. who is that? <laughs> well, and then you figure because it kind of... Or the, or the lady with him. Yeah. Who are these people? How do they but it's also Clark? kind of established in Man of Steel that I'm pretty sure most of Smallville knows he's Superman. <laughs> also, I want, I want to say, um... I don't know, and maybe somebody from Kansas can clarify this for us. <laughs> Are all funerals by carriage and buggy? Like, what the hell? Like, they don't have a hearse out there? Like, I, I don't. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, then it, it goes to the the fact that Bruce decides that they need to form a team because they right. have to honor him in that way. Like the most infamous line, which just made again no sense because it's like. You were his enemy for two years, and then his friend for all of, like, five minutes until he died. (laughs) And, like, he goes, I failed him in life. I will not fail him in death. And I was like, that literally makes no sense. You're just a crazy person. You don't know anything about him. (laughs) (laughs) You've never been his friend. You didn't know who Clark was. You didn't know who Superman was. Mm -hmm. You just had a just raging murder boner vendetta for this total stranger. Well, and then you even go back to that dream sequence with the Flash where the Flash is even like, you've got to find us! (laughs) Right? Like, like, everything was true! Everything you believed! And I was just like... And I I do want to go back to that briefly because this comes to a point where I'm really fearful 
that the long-term game here mm-hmm. is that we are building towards an Injustice Gods Among Us movie, mm-hmm. in which case I'll just go cry in a corner. Yeah. Well, because... And give up on DC forever. Because the, the She Was My World line doesn't... I guess... I guess it, doesn't, it doesn't fit with Bruce. Mm-hmm. Now, it fits if we go by the storyline that they established in Injustice, which was the Joker, who is... Batman's longtime villain friend mm-hmm. um, killed, like, well, he doesn't even kill Lois. He somehow mentally controls Superman and makes Superman believe Lois is, like, some villain or another. Mm-hmm. And he, it, like, it makes, makes him believe she's Brainiac or some shit like that. Yeah. And so Clark kills Lois <laughs> while mind-controlled. Mm-hmm. And then, like, once he comes to, he realizes, like, what happened and what he was forced to do, and he holds the Joker completely responsible and murders the Joker, like, just puts his fist through his chest and kills him. As one does. Um, so, yeah, no, like, there's just so many of these little things, and this movie is just... So, again, at the end of the day, like, all we've been talking about, like, what we came to establish from the beginning of this podcast, like, ten minutes in, was like, let's try to come up with the plot. And I still don't think we fleshed out clearly what the plot was, because there was no the plot. Like, yeah. there it... are so many plots and subplots and sub-subplots mm-hmm. of plots within plots. Like, <laughs> there's so much shit happening. It's a riddle movie. wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a maze, wrapped oh in... Oh my god, like, did the Riddler write this movie oh because God. that might make sense. I'm pretty but... sure the Riddler would have actually been smarter than this movie. So. <laughs> right. But but the, yeah, because it, it's all leading up to the very end where we see you know Lois has sprinkled the dirt upon the casket like you're supposed to and everything. And then the as we're about to cut away, some of the dirt rises off of the casket and then cut because that just felt like so insulting as well. It's like you killed the Man of Steel, and then you really just couldn't even, like, end the movie on that either, could you? Because why would you? Why would... Like, that's what pisses me off about them going with the, the death and return of Superman arc. Or not even arc, but story sort of thing. It, it's just... It's... You can't... The fake-out death, not only once, but twice in this movie, because we know he's coming back for Justice League. It's completely stupid... For you to kill him, like, it's like, oh, oh no, he's dead, and then the world just didn't appreciate him. It's like, you didn't make him worthy enough for the people to appreciate him. <laughs> like, right. Well, and that's the thing, and, and, and it brings me back to, okay, so let's just play on this. If we are going to do Return of Superman in mm-hmm. some way, like, because obviously he's got to come back to life, like, if we're going to do that, how exactly are we going to do that? Like, mm-hmm. because as far as I know... DC has said there will be no Man of Steel 2. Like, we're not doing that. We're yeah. just gonna... We're gonna do Wonder Woman. We're gonna do uh, Aquaman. And then we're gonna do... And I believe that's their plan, right? Is to do Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and then, boom, Justice League. I think so. For some reason, I want to say that Aquaman is after the... Because Justice League is a two-parter. That's uh, right. Yeah. So, I, so it's for sure it's Wonder Woman, because they're like... Because they are the big three. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, maybe we should kind of sort of establish a storyline for Diana. Perhaps. And then maybe make the big movie. Yeah, because you have um, Suicide Squad, and then Wonder Woman, and then I think, yeah, Justice League Part 1. Um, so, and, and then 
which case, like, fine, okay, if we're not doing a Man of Steel 2 Return of Superman kind of thing, or mm-hmm. the Death and Return of Superman, or whatever they want to title it, so what, is that just going to be Justice League? Are we going to do the same fucking shenanigans that we just did with Batman versus Superman, where mm-hmm. we're going to have a bunch of people who probably know next to nothing, aside from Bruce-ish <laughs> and Diana-ish, mm-hmm. know something-ish about <laughs> this man that died... <laughs> Like, because like, again, they can't be like, we were his friends. Because you can't be somebody's friend for five minutes without knowing anything about them. Like, you're an acquaintance at that point. That That is the law of social stature. Yeah. Like, you're just an acquaintance. Like, the, the only way you can earn any kind of relationship for for the for the even the idea of death and return of superman is if you have actually established a series of movies perhaps that have built upon the friendship of these three characters right and you've done none of that no and and that's the thing is like for so from and i mean we've talked about all of this stuff like from a and obviously for anybody listening like for from a comic book standpoint for us this movie's a fucking travesty Mm -hmm. like it's it is riddled with problems now that is not to say that this movie doesn't did not have potential you can see every fucking moment of it like and there are a lot like there's a lot of good moments where it's just like wow like are they gonna capitalize on it and then they just didn't and Mm -hmm. again that's why it felt disjointed because Because that's the thing is i could take this as an elseworlds story where like this is a different universe superman different universe batman that's outside of the canon. Um, I could definitely take it out if Zack Snyder would just come out and go. Mm-hmm. This is not at all a canon version. Like, I'm not basing any of my information on the canon or any of the comics. Like, this is my own version of these characters. If you would just fucking say that, then I'd be like, oh, well, that explains everything. I yeah. still didn't care for it, but now I can just accept it and be but, like, oh, well, you just don't make a version of these characters I enjoy. Well, that's, and, and like I said before, this is a movie that has three or four other movies in it. Like, it is, you know, about three or four different plots that are pushed together into this mishmash that clearly doesn't work. Like, the the framing of Superman could have been its own movie. The death and return part could have been its own movie. The, you know, uh, wonder woman's trying to find her stuff thing could have been its own movie. Like like, there's all there's, there's at least four different movie plots happening and none of them sync up. Right. And and again, why for disjointed just mayhem? Uh, Because, because again, like, and, and from somebody who, Again, as far as I know, in the time I knew Katie in high school, and, and as far as I know now, not like a huge comic book fan. Like, she never read the comics or anything. Like, this was just her as a normal viewer going to this and going, I was just confused. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, that's where the majority of these ticket sales come from, folks. Like, as much as we want to be like, oh, it's us, the fans. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Like, we are actually a very small piece of the population yeah. for these movies. Granted... We make a decent chunk of those tickets, sure, mm-hmm. but a lot of people who go to see these are people who want to be interested, well, and they get there, and if and if it's that bad where they're like, I just, I spent, I spent an hour and a half of this movie just being confused, and then finally when it starts to pick up, it all just happens so fast that it still doesn't really even make sense, and I still can't even really appreciate it, because I'm like, I don't understand, like, why did that happen? Why the, did- uh, there was an article that was 
put out recently. I think it was like, yeah, it was like yesterday or something like that. But it's it's kind of, it's talking about why, because the movie has made a, a lot of money because uh, of course it was going to. Like, I anyone who kind of throws that at you being like, we'll see, it must be, you know, it's going to make all its money, blah, blah, blah. It's like, there was never a question about this movie making money. Like, right. the fact that you have Batman and Superman in the title alone was going to put butts in seats regardless you know, of anything that you said about it or whatever. And and the article does a really good job of breaking it down. It's like, the reason it's doing so well, first of all, is because it's Easter weekend. It's, uh, I think this is the only, it's not really going up against anything. Um, it's starting the summer blockbuster season in spring, essentially. Because um, it's, it's a couple of months before Civil War comes out. Um, and also it opened everywhere at the same time, including China. You know, so there's a lot of factors that made it do so well this weekend. But what they're actually going to, you know, what they should be looking at is like, what is going to be the drop off next weekend? You know, right? Well, and because that's just is is in terms of the fans and how we sell our well and and how we buy tickets, right? We're regardless of what we think, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because because you know, I've got a lot of I've got a couple of friends out there who are just like, you know. But you know, critics critics tend to say the worst, and like, they, and you know, I don't feel like they have necessarily a full connection. Here's the thing about critics, because both me and Sam are critics. We are like we we criticize comics, we criticize video games. Mm-hmm. Like that's what reviews are. Yeah, it's, it's a criticism, but it's a criticism of opinion, and that's what critics are. Is we're just opinionated people mm-hmm. who are sharing our view on something. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. And at the end of the day. We aren't selling the tickets. Like, your decision to go and sit at the theater does that. And every comic book nerd is going to be a critic of this movie. Yeah. You're going to. You can't help yourself. And you're going to go see this, regardless of what me or Sam or any other critic says. You're mm-hmm. going to go see it. Why? Because you're a fucking comic book fan. <laughs> and no matter what, this is a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And that nerd in you is like, i got to see it. Because this is, this is everything that I aspire with. Mm-hmm. And they're going to... They're, they're gonna go see it. They're gonna sell those tickets, and that's where those fucking weekend sales come from. Is like either mundane people or it's all these comic nerds going. I gotta see it, and regardless of good or bad, you just paid for it. Mm-hmm. That's all the studio cares about. Yeah. Like they don't care if you liked it or loved it. Like Rotten Tomatoes critics, like critic scores are like thirty percent for this movie right now. Review <laughs> like regular people <laughs> review scores are like. Like, I don't know, it's like 76% or some shit. I yeah. don't know exactly. But it's, like, way higher for, like, standard viewers. But guess what? Before you jump on the bandwagon being like, well, regular people, no. You're all critics, too. You're just more willing to pay for the money to go see it and give it a fair shake. And, because oh, go ahead. it's worth it for you. Well, and even just, because we've spent, we've spent the length of the actual movie trying to figure out what was happening in the movie. But I mean, we've, of course we've gone and, and given our opinion about the different things that have been happening. So if, if we had just tried to stick to the plot, we probably could have covered this in a lot less time. But, uh, but the point of this is it's not like I didn't try to go into this movie actively hating it. You know, I was, right. I genuinely thought that maybe they could course correct, you know, there was, and again, like, you know, like you said, James, there was a lot of potential in this movie. There were things there, and this is very much how I felt about Man of Steel. 
like there's stuff in that movie that I do genuinely like because it felt like oh that would have been an interesting like story to explore that would have been an interesting look at Clark or Superman or something but again what they do is they take a really good kernel of an idea and do nothing with it and and this movie shows that more than Man of Steel did I mean I, I'm trying to figure out which one I actually don't like more <laughs> because they're kind of the same animal. It's it's potential squandered for the purposes of just I don't know what for for just making a generic action movie. Basically, this is like this is like if Michael Bay made a Superman movie or a Superman Batman movie. You know, it just didn't feel like it connected to anything that I even know to be true of any DC character at this point. Right. Well, and, and, and it's upsetting. It's upsetting for us. And what's hard to make, I think people understand is, is it's so upsetting because again, a, the potential that's there and B, when you have somebody who's helming something and they go, I'm as big of a fan of these characters as anybody else. And then you just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that's. The, maybe that's what directors who are fans need to start like really like actually making the difference on is going. I'm a fan because because when it comes to Batman or Superman or any of the heroes, there have been a number of writers, there have been a number of artists, there have been a number of people that have changed and molded these characters in different ways. Mm-hmm. So when somebody goes, I'm a Jack Kirby fan. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense if they made something that stylistically I could go, oh, well, those things reached out to Jack Kirby. If Zack Snyder came out and just, like, I'm a really big fan of Frank Miller, which he has said. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to stylistically design this leaning towards a lot of Frank Miller's work. If he would have just said that, I could have gone into this going, oh, well, that makes sense. Because that's the thing. Again, I have nothing personal against Frank Miller's work. I really like The Dark Knight Returns. I think it's a really compelling piece of work. I really like how dark and gritty it is. I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, again, there are also certain things about that book that, again, I don't can, I don't read part two. I don't. No. Like, I've, I've done it once and I regretted it because <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. And then, and then I read the internet and they're like, yeah, he wrote that so long after part one. That's part of the reason. I was just like, oh, why did I do it? And then you wanted to gouge your eyes out with needles and. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 but again, every artist's work has these things that, like, I actually watched a documentary with Chris right after we watched the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was a documentary about Sammy something or another. The guy in 2003 made a Batman short film. Mm-hmm. It's an eight-minute movie. It went to San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. It had over 400 people view it in one of the studio, in like one of the viewing rooms. It did really well. Like, standing ovation, people are just thrilled with it. Because it paid tribute to a different version of Batman. Very close, uh, a lot closer to the Batman we saw in, like, uh, in the original Batman, the animated series. Like, okay. very stylistically like that. Um... And people loved it, and it really rebooted the franchise in a lot of ways for DC and, like, the movies, and, like, people were just suddenly excited about Batman again. Mm. It did so well that the program director of San Diego Comic-Con went, um, so we're going to be in the, um, I, I can't remember what it's called, it's it's this huge room where they do a lot of the big viewings. Oh, Hall five, H. Six, 
Yeah, like five, six thousand people capacity. Yeah. And he's just like, um, we want to show this mm-hmm. in that hall. Cool. And he was like, oh, and they did. And it got phenomenal, you know, reviews. And so much of that, like, they they actually interviewed one of the heads at DC in this documentary. And the guy went, the fans get Batman. The fans understand this character. Mm-hmm. They know what motivates this character. As with any of the other characters that we that, that we've ever had property control over, like they've the fans know these characters, they know what they want out of them, and they know what should be there. Executives don't know shit. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything because at the end of the day, all they see is a money tag. Like that's all they care about is the bottom line. Yeah. You know. So when you have somebody who goes, "I'm a fan," and then they fail in the way that fans wouldn't expect them to fail, and again. It's not to say that there aren't a fair share of fans who enjoyed Man of Steel and probably enjoyed this work. I've got a friend who thinks it is the second best movie <clears throat> ever, and the first was Man of Steel. Like he loves him, and and that's fantastic. I'm really happy that he does. Like the the cast, the crew, they did a fantastic job. Again, I didn't have a problem with the performances necessarily. It was just really it was just the story. It was the writing and the direction that made it just feel like it. Uh, it didn't feel like these characters that I know. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating. No, and, and, I mean, you're completely right. Like, the, the performances, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg is doing something different, albeit, yes, that I, I don't necessarily believe works as well as they maybe thought it was going to. But other than that, like, everyone else gives a good performance with what they're given. I mean, that's... I feel sorry for Henry Cavill because... I feel like he could be a much better, you know, Clark or Superman if they actually gave him things to say, you know? Right, like, don't, like, he does very much feel like he just shows up and he's kind of eye candy. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks good in the suit. And then he does some things. And a big part of that is even his own physical action isn't a ton of stuff because, well, it's a flying character. They yeah. spend a lot of time not doing a whole lot of wire work that use a lot of CGI to fly the character around. Mm-hmm. So all these superhero fights, a lot of it's not even <laughs> it's not even him. Like if he gets smashed into the ground, the only scene that we see of him is literally what looks like probably a shot they did where they had him land in a pile of rubble, mm-hmm. and so he's like laying there, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna shoot action. One, two, three, cut. Yeah, good. Like and that, <laughs> that's it." No, it's such well, and that's the thing. It's like if you know that you're if the character itself, like because he's so powerful, it doesn't take much. For, he doesn't have to do much in the way of showing those powers because a lot of it's going to be in post. Like what you really need to do is give him something to say that's substantial enough. That's why I really feel he should have spoken at the the Senate uh, thing. Like he he should have had a moment where you could actually get more into like who is Clark Kent right now. Um, because even in Man of Steel, he didn't talk a lot. Like, it was a lot of posing, a lot of, like, waiting for the camera to do, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and so we never, again, we still don't know much about this guy. Uh, and, and and that's the problem, is, like, any chance you actually had of, for him to talk, you you didn't do. You didn't give him that moment. Um, and, that, and that's the thing, is, like, that's the only mystery to him, is, like, who is Clark Kent? Who is Superman? Mm-hmm. Like, who is this character who never speaks for himself? Whereas Batman, I, again, like, I was, 
initially I was with the masses. Like they were like Ben Affleck for Batman. And I was like, Oh God, it's daredevil. Why? <laughs> Why? And then like, I really did. I took the step back and I looked at Ben Affleck's career since then and what he's done and how far he's come. And the fact that he has the hubris to realize like, yep, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And that was terrible. And it was a huge disservice to the fans and I'm going to do better with this. Um, and he did. Like, he really did. Like, he delivered a version of Batman that I don't know that I'm necessarily comfortable with, per se. Yeah. But it seems like the end of this movie brought about the change that will be Batman getting back to his roots. Like, knowing... Because we see that. At the very end of this movie, like, he confronts Luther mm-hmm. um, while Luther's in prison. And it's the whole, you know, like, you know, wherever you go, wherever you hide... I will know where you are. And just, you know, this very omnipotent, like, scary Batman. And it was very much like the homage to, like, the Batman we know, where, like, initially it's, like, the guards behind him, and they tell him to, like, turn around, put his head on the wall so they can cuff him for security. And by this point, they have shaved... They've shaved uh, Lex's head, too, so now he's got the more traditional bald look. Yes. Um... And so, and, and instead, and, and, and he has the brand, and he's about to, like, he's threatening the brand, um, and then he doesn't. Like, he smashes the wall. So we're, we're getting back to very much, you know, the, I'm going to put you in intensive care, but I'm not going to brand you or maim you or murder you, hopefully. Yeah. Batman. Um, because he does kill a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. Um, like, don't get it twisted. The dream state isn't even one. Like, I'm willing to even let, like, post-apocalyptic Batman killing people pass, because mm. I'm like... It's kind of post-apocalyptic. He might have actually had to change his tune and start shooting people. Yeah, and and it's a dream, so of course he would probably kill more people in his dreams than he would in real life. That's okay, but there's legitimately some scenes in this movie where he's in the Batwing, and he guns down a bunch of guys. (laughs) Granted, they're all in pickups, and they've got like forty-five caliber or... Like like turrets and they're ja, 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 ja. Yeah. they're shooting at him and everything, and he just opens up yeah. and wastes these guys with turrets of his own. And like so much of me was like, that's not a Batman kind of thing to do. Yeah, and and then one of the other things that really what, what bugged me too was this whole like trying to set up the the gladiator match that Lex keeps talking about. He's like, you know the Bat of Gotham versus the Son of Krypton or whatever. It's like, day versus night. It's like, I don't think you can do that because everything that happens happens in the dark. Like, no, I don't believe there's any, like, significant action scene that actually happens in the daylight. Right, like, the only fight ever between these two movies we've actually seen take place in the, quote, daylight is the fight between Zod and Supes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, it's the only one that takes place in the daylight. Yeah. This whole movie, as said, everything happens at night. Mm-hmm. And it's or, all... <laughs> or in, like, some weird grim, dark like, version. Like, uh, it's not even a fight. Like, when Superman saves the little girl who's in, like, the burning building and wherever. Mm-hmm. Like, like, everything, like, it's, <laughs> supposedly, it's like, it's a nice day outside. He gets there, and it's all overshadowed by this clouded smoke, and it's very yeah. murky, and, and and that's a stylistic design choice right there. Yeah. Like, I've seen smoke, I've seen fire, I've seen it in populated areas, and yes, it is very billowy and cloudy, but it doesn't block out the light unless there's just a lot of it, and then that means that a forest is probably on fire, or like an entire city. Yeah. 
Well, it's like, yeah, because he, he, when they show that montage again where he's doing heroic things, but looks like it's the biggest burden he's ever had to carry, ever. Like, you know, he saves the, 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 the shuttle, he sa- he's pulling the ship across the frozen tundra, for, I, I don't know. Um, just these various things, like, none of them happen in, like, completely broad daylight. It's all kind of shadowed or smoke-filled or there's fire everywhere. <laughs> right. So, and then, I mean, at the end of the day, folks, when you guys are reading reviews, like, you're hearing it firsthand. Like, we we, <laughs> we saw all of it. You'll see all of it if you just admit to yourself for a moment to look for it and be like, you know, it actually is. Um, everything is. Like, I went into the movie today on a cloudy day. It was mm-hmm. raining outside when I went to this movie. And it set the tone right away because the whole movie matched the day outside. Mm. Like, it, the whole movie is just like that. Like, it's very down and droll and depressing. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's it's weighty. It feels so heavy, but you don't understand why. Yeah, it, and it's, again, like, that shouldn't be the way you come out of a superhero movie. Like, I don't recall... No, like, I want to come out of a superhero movie... Like, I came out of any of Nolan's Batman movies going like, Oh my god, Batman destroyed some fucking people. Did you see all the bones he broke? Oh my god. Or, or like a Marvel movie where I'm like, Oh my god, Iron Man? Are you kidding me? Like, that motherfucker's hilarious. Well, oh, like, like even, just beat to beat. This movie was so good. Like, like I the, should be able to come out of the movie with a good feeling. Not like, I'm just, I'm really, I'm so well, even at the end, depressed. at the end of uh, the Dark Knight, as depressing as that movie is, at the very end when we get that um, that that monologue from Gordon, it is hopeful as shit. Like it's about it. It spells out basically why Batman is important to Gotham, like what he does and why he why it's important that he serves the people that he serves and why he does right by the people who trust him. Like that movie. It, you know, it, it if not for that monologue and him like driving the motorcycle off into the into the light like that, it would have been as depressing as what we just watched. But at the very least, they bothered to make you feel good about the ending. <laughs> like that's that's the whole thing. And towards this, like they they just bombard you with dourness and dreariness and you know they're trying to be hopeful towards the end because of the whole like oh he's really not dead but it's like that's too little too late guys like this isn't this this doesn't fix everything that just happened like if anything it's more frustrating because you for you for some reason thought killing superman would be a good idea when we all kind of know that that's not going to be permanent anyway <laughs> right like like well and it's the same and unfortunately, this is a little bit of the same problem like Age of Ultron is having, where mm-hmm. they're telling us, they're showing us things, like in Civil War. Like, we see that War Machine, in the preview, like, he almost looks like he could be dead. Yeah. But then, like, we jump to the fact that we know that Cheadle is in at least the first Age of Ultron movie. So again, it's like, well, we know that's not true, so... I can't be invested in the scene when I know other things. And and this comes back to something I told somebody. I was like, this is what happens when leaks happen. This is what happens when the internet happens. This mm-hmm. is what happens when you give us too much info in a preview. And, like, I said it was likely, and I 
fucking, I should be Miss Cleo. I should be predicting people's futures because I predicted this entire movie off of the previews alone. Like, I called it almost mm-hmm. scene for scene. No, it's... Like, there's even a point where Chris goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure you told, like, because there was the Batman in the desert scene, and he goes, I'm pretty sure you were just like, because didn't you say, like, like it's probably like some weird dream sequence or something, because it just feels like it doesn't fit. And I was like, yep. And he goes, and then it was. And I was mm-hmm. like, yep. I was just like, oddly enough. No, if if people just basically watched, like, the, the, I think it was, like, the second trailer or something like that that came out, when they first showed Doomsday, that trailer is the movie. Like, that's essentially the movie right there. You could watch that for free on YouTube. Watch that for free on YouTube, and you've seen Batman vs. Superman. Right, you don't need to waste two and a half hours of your life. Like, you can just do that. Well, and that's just it. It's like, you can, you can, honest to Jesus, you, like, the only thing I was wrong about, (laughs) and it's so small, and it's not even really a big deal, is I was just like, Wonder Woman's gonna show up and she's gonna slap hands, and then fucking superhero beatdown's gonna end, and then they're all gonna fight Doomsday. And instead, nope, it was Lois Lane shows up and slaps him on the hands and goes, he's talking about his mommy! And then they fucking got over it. Then they joined up with Wonder Woman yeah. and went and fought Doomsday. That's the only thing I was inaccurate about. The rest of it, I was just like, yep, nope. Like, they're being played against each other, and, like, they don't know it, and the first two-thirds of this movie is just going to be, you know, like, the build-up, so to speak, to this, like, superhero brawl. And then we're just not going to get any satisfaction. And I can't say that we didn't get any satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We got exactly what could be expected. Because we all know the reality as comic book fans. As much as I'm a huge Batman fan. As much as I am always rooting for the Batman. As much as I believe in the Batman. <laughs> like, I know in my heart of hearts, there's no fucking way Batman would ever beat Superman. Really, there's no way most of the superheroes in the DC Universe could beat Superman. Mm-hmm. He's fucking Superman. Like, he's got it all. It's it's really, uh, unless you have magic or kryptonite, that's the only way you can beat Superman. And, Which, even, and even then, he sometimes overcomes either one of those. Right, right, like, he just picks up that spear and just flies through it. It's true. It's like, <laughs> Zatanna shows up and it's like, she does the magic and it's like, well, he'll find some way to get around that, I'm sure. Or or if they just threw in Mr. Mitzelplex, like, that would work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're we're almost at three uh, I know, hours. I might need to split this into like a two-parter. I don't think I've split yet, but uh, eh, it'll be fine. I think uh, I saw messages from JP and Sean, and they they had just seen the message about doing a podcast. <laughs> so if anything, this might be a there might be a redux of this at some point we in might, the future. This, uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, if it, if anything, at the end of the day, I feel I feel like both of us were really in this place where it's just like so much anger and mm-hmm. frustration out of what what could have been <laughs> um and none of it being what happened yeah. in many ways that it was just like like i i gotta i gotta talk this out i yeah. gotta say something because because i have a lot of people i know but none of them will understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah if anything like i might hold on to this until like we can talk to jp and sean about this <laughs> And so if, if nothing comes of it, then I'll probably, I'll, I'll definitely release this at some point. But uh, this is much more you and I just trying to talk out our feelings. <laughs> but, but I appreciate it. Like, I, I, I yeah. think we, we both needed an outlet to just go nutso on this. And, 
and really talk it out. (laughs) Uh, So, at the end of the day, Sam, Hmm. what, 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 what do you have to say to the people? The people (laughs) about this movie? About this movie. (sighs) That's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Uh, If only I was getting paid (laughs) $64,000. Um... I, I mean, I can't say don't go see it because you were going to go see it no matter what. What I would say is, um, if you like it, that's fine. You know, I at this point, like, <laughs> I'm only 32 years old, but at this, at this point, it's like, I don't have the stamina to fight you on this. If you want to, if you want to like this movie, if, if this is your jam, fine. But it's not mine. It's... It's and it's disappointing, I think, as a person who has been a DC fan for as long as I have, like who started with the cartoons, went into the comics, and then just I've been invested in DC far more than I have been in Marvel for for a good portion of my life. To see this unfolding the way it is doesn't give me a lot of hope, but I will say that I am interested in the individual movies that are coming out because at the very least those are not directed by Snyder and they are being managed by other people. Whether or not they stick with the same aesthetic, I mean, the Wonder Woman movie might be at this point, which is also kind of disappointing, but I'm trying to go into that one as, uh, as, as not happy, but as, you know, as reserved in my judgment as possible. And I'm also looking forward to a Batman solo movie at this point too. So if, if the end goal is that I want to see these individual movies, then yes, mission accomplished. If the goal was to make me want to see a Justice League movie, no, it has not done its job at all. Um, what about you, James? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even I even posted something about this on my Facebook today, and, and I, I can't help but just to reiterate, mm. um, because, again, we, we as reviewers, as critics, um, as critics, like it, I, I agree. Like, like Sam, this isn't my cup of tea. Um, this isn't the version of Bat. My favorite version of Batman. It's not my favorite version of Superman. Like, I see these characters in a very different light. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I'm I'm glad that there are those who like these movies, like these characters, and God, I hope it does inspire you if you're not an avid comics reader to, like, suddenly go and look at the comics. Um, Forewarning, you're gonna get a very different version of those characters in the comics, even the New 52 or the Rebirth, we won't get into that. Um, (laughs) But you're still gonna get a very different version of these. Um, And again, if you're a fan of Man of Steel or uh, BVS, uh, we're not going to agree with our opposing thoughts ever we're just not and that's okay um this is what pushes the industry forward is people having differences of opinion if you love it sure there's gonna be somebody who's gonna go there were enough people who love this that we can keep doing this and they're gonna keep doing this and that's great like that that's pushing the industry that's pushing for you guys that's giving something new and different and that's not really a bad thing it's a bad thing for folks like us who are not looking forward to that. Like, would I like somebody else to be able to come out and do, like, a different version of these characters that maybe I would enjoy? Absolutely. But right now, it seems like if I want to get even close to those versions of those characters, I'm going to have to stick to the CW and not a full feature film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, it's 
it is what it is right now. And even with the the negative reviews that you know that have been coming out, and they've talked to the cast and and Zack Snyder, they don't even really seem to care, except for poor Ben Affleck, who. I- Oh, poor Ben Affleck. So, for anybody listening, the last thing I got to say on this is you owe it to yourself, even if you haven't seen the movie, to go out, go to YouTube, or do a Google or Bing search or whatever the hell. Mm. Just look for Batman v Superman, Sad Affleck. Look that up. It will enlighten your life. So, I mean, and the thing is, like, I... I genuinely liked Affleck in this role. I think he makes a great Batman and a Bruce Wayne. Like, that's why I'm excited to see what he brings to it when he's in charge of it. You know, I think that at at the very least, like I said, this movie has done wonders for me wanting to see the individual movies, I suppose. Um, I would have rather they came before the team up, but, you know, I I don't control the movie industry. I will someday, but not now. Um, but, uh, But Ben Affleck... It's just, like, when you see him just looking so morose about what's happening, it's like, you know he's having that daredevil dream all over again. And Ben Affleck, if you're listening to this, if you've made it to the end of this whenever I end up putting this, depending on other circumstances, please know, you are good. You are so good in the role. So good. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you again. But not for the 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 reasons that it happened last time. <laughs> like, if if you take anything away from this, know that people actually, even if they hated the movie, loved you in it, and and I agree with that. <laughs> and, and this is all the reasons, sir. All the reasons that we we think you have the most potential to turn out a good Batman, movie. Mm-hmm. if not the greatest Batman, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> Like, there's so much, so much potential. Yeah. Um, but I think on that note, <laughs> with our plea to, <laughs> with our, our plea to Ben Affleck to please just keep holding on, man. Like, we love you and we want you to do great things, too. So don't worry. You were the best. You're the best thing. Um, James, again, I don't know when this will go up. You know, it, it could just be a therapy session between us. <laughs> but uh, do you want to promote Roman on the Rocks, or do you want to promote uh, Nerd Nonsense? Uh, what do you want to do? Um, yeah, so Nerd Nonsense, hopefully we get back off the ground with. That's a little thing between me and JP. Um, if you guys haven't listened to the first episode, you can catch it uh, on Sam's website here. Um, definitely give it a look-see. Um, I am in process. Um, I have everything moved over for my domain. Um, now I am in process of just getting the website up. Um, so hopefully that happens soon, um, and I will start writing, and who knows, maybe I will write my, uh, my wonderfully opinionated review mm, of this movie. <laughs> uh, yes, and, uh, and people can find you on Twitter if, if they cho- so choose to. <laughs> at Roman on the Rocks, um, you can also find me on Facebook, same thing, Roman on the Rocks, and that's the website once it's up, um, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, as always, it's uh, darling underscore Sammy. If you want to talk to me about anything or tell me, I actually, you know, if you're gonna try and have a conversation with me about this movie, you know, um, I guarantee you, I won't engage if you're just gonna like 
throw shade on it, you know, on sh- shade on me for my opinion. So just establishing that now. Um, <laughs> but you can go darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. You can also go on Facebook and find uh, Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls. It's the same community. Uh, and go to maniacalgeek.com where I will probably be putting up some new articles eventually. It's just been a it's been a little bit hectic and, and Emerald City Comic Con's coming up, so it might be a while still. <laughs> but uh, other than that, thank you for listening. You know, this therapy session was probably necessary. Who knows if it'll see the light of day. But James, thank you for coming on and wanting to talk it out anyway. Uh, always appreciate it. So, um, on behalf of that girl with the curls, I'm Nyla Geek. Good night, everybody. Of silence.